வணக்கம் நீங்க கேட்டுட்டு இருக்கிறது சும்மா ப்ரொடக்ஷனோட பகுத்தறிவு பாட்காஸ்ட் வணக்கம் நேர்களே இந்த பதிவில் நம்ம பேச போகிறது குற்ற வாழ்க்கையும் அதன் பின்னணியும் என்ன இதில் நம்ம பேச போகிறோம் அப்படின்னா அடிதடி கொள்ளை திருட்டு இந்த மாதிரி பல குற்றங்கள் புரிஞ்சு பல ஆண்டுகள் சிறையில் கழித்து தண்டிக்கப்பட்ட ஒரு குற்றவாளி அதுக்கப்புறமா அந்த குற்ற வாழ்க்கை வேண்டாம் அப்படின்னு அதை உதறி தள்ளிட்டு அதிலேருந்து வெளியே வந்து ஒரு நேர்மையான வாழ்க்கை வாழ்ந்து அவர் முன்னேறினா எப்படி இருக்கும் அப்படிங்கிற ஒரு எடுத்துக்காட்டு தான் இந்த பதிவில் நம்ம பார்க்க போகிறது அது குறிப்பாக ஜானி கல்பெப்பர் அப்படிங்கிற ஒரு தோழரோடு நம்ம பேச இருக்கிறோம் அவர் வந்து சிறு வயதாக இருக்கும்போதே இந்த மாதிரி குற்ற பின்னணி உள்ள ஆட்களோட சம்மந்தம் வைக்க போய் அவரும் குற்றங்களில் ஈடுபட்டு அதாவது அவர் சொல்லும்போது எப்படி சொல்கிறாருன்னா கொலையை தவிர மிச்சம் எல்லா குற்றத்தையும் நான் செஞ்சுருக்கேன் இந்த மாதிரி பேங்க் ராபரி கூட பண்ணியிருக்கேன் இப்போ இந்த மாதிரியான குற்றங்கள்லாம் செஞ்சு அவர் சிறு வயதிலேயே சீர்திருத்த பள்ளிக்கு போய் வந்து அதுக்கப்புறமாகவும் பல குற்றங்களில் ஈடுபட்டு பல ஆண்டுகள் அவர் சிறையில் இருந்து அதுக்கப்புறமா இது அமெரிக்க நாட்டை சேர்ந்தவனுங்கிறதுனால அங்கே வந்து நீதித்துறை வந்து அவருக்கு ஒரு வாய்ப்பளிக்குது இந்த மாதிரி இந்த குற்ற பின்னணி இருக்கிற இந்த கும்பல்கள் எல்லாத்தையும் சட்டத்துக்கு முன் கொண்டு வந்து நிறுத்தணும்னா நீ எங்களுக்கு உதவுகிற மாதிரி அவங்க கூட இருந்து அவங்க தகவலை பரிமாறிப்பியா அந்த கான்ஃபிடென்ட் கான்ஃபிடென்ஷியல் இன்ஃபார்மெண்ட் அப்படின்னு சொல்லுவாங்கள்ல அந்த மாதிரி நீ இருந்து எங்களுக்கு தகவல் தருவேன்னு வந்து இவர் ஒத்துக்கிட்டு இவர் அப்படி தான் வெளியே வர்றாரு அது கடைசியில் இவருக்கு வேண்டியவரையே மாட்டை விடுறதுக்கு இவரை பயன்படுத்த பார்க்குறாங்க இவர் ஏன்னா அந் குற்றவாளிகளை பொறுத்த வரைக்கும் இவர் இன்னும் குற்ற ப வாழ்க்கையிலே வாழ்கிறவர் நீதித்துறையை பொறுத்த வரைக்கும் இவர் வந்து குற்ற வாழ்க்கையை விட்டுட்டாரு இவர் இப்போ காவல்துறைக்கும் நீதித்துறைக்கும் உதவும் வகையில் ஒரு பணி செய்வார் அப்படின்னு தான் இவங்க நினைப்பாங்க அப்படி இப்படி ரெட்டை வேடம் நடிச்சுக்கிட்டு உயிரையும் பணையை வச்சுக்கிட்டு பத்தாண்டுகளுக்கு மேலே இவர் வந்து வாழ்ந்திருக்கார் பல்வேறு குற்ற சம்பவங்கள் நடக்கிறதுலேருந்து இவருடைய உதவியால் தடுக்கப்பட்டிருக்கு ஆனால் அதுக்கப்புறமா இவர் ஒரு ஒரு காலகட்டத்தில் இவர்னால் அதை செய்ய முடியாத போது இவர் அந்த வேலையும் விட்டுட்டு இதுக்கு மேலே எனக்கு இந்த இதே வேண்டாம் என்ன விட்டுருங்கன்னு சொல்லி இவர் வெளியே வந்துடுறார் அது அப்போ அவருடைய வாழ்க்கை என்ன எப்படி அவர் அந்த குற்ற வாழ்க்கைக்குள்ளே அவர் போகிறார் சிறு வயதிலேயே அப்படி குற்றத்துக்கு எப்படி அவர் இழுக்கப்படுறாரு அந்த குற்ற பின்னணி இவர் எப்படி துரத்துது இவர் அதிலேருந்து மீண்டு வர முயற்சி செஞ்சாரா இல்லையா எப்படிலாம் இவரோட வாழ்க்கை வந்து போச்சு எந்த காலகட்டத்தில் இவர் இந்த குற்ற வாழ்க்கை வேண்டாம்னு முடிவெடுத்தார் அதுக்கப்புறமா இவர் சந்தித்த இன்னல்கள் என்ன இன்றைக்கி இவர் எப்படி இருக்கார் அப்படிங்கிறத தான் பார்க்க போகிறோம் குறிப்பாக ஜானி கல்பப்பர் வந்து இதையே ஒரு நோக்கமாக அவர் கொண்டு இருக்கிறார் ஏன்னா சிறு பிள்ளைகள் இளைஞர்கள் வந்து சரியான ஆலோசனை கிடைக்கிறதில்ல ரொம்ப எளிமையான பொருளாதார சூழ்நிலையில் வளர்ந்து வரவங்க ஏழ்மையின் காரணமாக பெற்றோர்கள் இல்லாத காரணமாக பல்வேறு காரணங்கள் அவங்க வளர்ந்து வர சூழ்நிலை காரணமாக இந்த மாதிரி குற்றங்கள் புரியறதுக்கு அவங்க கிளம்பிடுறாங்க ரொம்ப சுலபமாக பணம் வேண்டும் நிறைய பணம் வேண்டும் அவனை மாதிரி நானும் இருக்கணும் இந்த மாதிரியான பேராசையை ஊட்டி சிறுவர்களை வந்து இந்த மாதிரி குற்றங்கள் இழுத்துட்டு போயிடுறாங்க அதுக்கப்புறமா அவன் காலத்துக்கும் அந்த குற்ற வாழ்க்கை மட்டும்தான் அவனுக்கு இருக்குது ஒரு தடவை அந்த மாதிரி சிறைக்கு போயிட்டு வந்துட்டான்னா யாருமே அவனுக்கு வேலை கொடுக்க மறுக்கிறாங்க அப்படி இந்த மாதிரி வந்து பல வாழ்க்கைகள் வந்து சீரழிக்கப்படுது படுது அதுவும் குறிப்பாக இது அமெரிக்காவை சேர்ந்தவருங்கிறதுனால அவங்க நாட்டில் ஒடுக்கப்பட்ட அந்த கருப்பின மக்களுக்கு வந்து இப்படி ஒரு அநீதி அளிக்கப்பட்டுக்கிட்டு இருக்குது அப்போ என் சமூகத்தில் இருக்கிற இந்த மாதிரி பிள்ளைகள் வந்து 
வறுமையின் காரணமாக இருந்தாலும் சரியான ஆலோசனை கிடைக்காததுனாலும் இந்த மாதிரி குற்ற வாழ்க்கையை தேர்ந்தெடுத்து அவங்க போயிடுறாங்க அவங்கள அதுக்குள்ளேருந்து மீட்டு கொண்டு வரணும் அதுக்குள்ளே போகிறதுலேருந்து தடுக்கணும் அப்படிங்கிற நோக்கத்தில் தன்னுடைய குற்ற வாழ்க்கையை பற்றி அவர் வெளியில் இப்போ தான் பேச ஆரம்பிச்சிருக்கார் வாங்க நம்ம அவரோட போய் பேசுவோம் அவர் வாழ்க்கையை பற்றி தெரிஞ்சுக்குவோம் வணக்கம் ஜானி தேங்க்ஸ் ஃபார் டேக்கிங் டைம் டு ஜாயின் Without further delay, uh, please go ahead and introduce yourself. Uh, my name is Johnny Culpepper. I, uh, well, let's see, where should I start? I mean, do you want me to give a brief history of myself? Yeah. Or? Yes, yes, please. Okay. Um, I was coming up, I was born here in Chicago, raised in, on the East Coast, uh, New York, Philadelphia, Uh, Jersey. My dad had us living somewhere everywhere, um, Allentown. And uh, during that time, I got caught up in a life of crime. Uh, anything you could probably think of, robbing banks, robbing drug dealers, uh, any, any, any crime you could possibly think of besides murder, I've been, did it and did time for it. I did uh, over 18 years of my life was spent in prison either state or federal, locked up two and a half years as a juvenile. Um, in 2005, I was supposed to be sentenced to life for being an armed career criminal. Uh, three strikes you outlaw. I don't know if you guys ever heard of that. Um, but through my cooperation with the uh, federal government, I was let out of prison to work uh, as a terrorism CI. Um, it, that started as a, a plot to the federal building and it escalated to many other plots. Let me just say that. Mm -hmm. uh, some of them I can't, dis I, I can't discuss in detail, but uh, it, I was a terrorism federal informant from 2005 to 2013, which mm -hmm. is a very, very unusual and a very long time to be mm -hmm. working with the federal government. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, then this, at this, it, it came to an end. Uh, as I said, I was working uh, mostly terrorism cases, but uh, okay, I guess I could tell you this. Um, I was working a terrorism case, and I, it was it was it was minor. They were this guy was suspected of funding terrorism, sending money overseas, and um, I was I was his chauffeur or whatever. Well, the cab was, uh, well, let me just say that through that case, someone tried to hire me for a murder for hire case and I knew the person. And I had an argument with the federal government. They, I had to take this case because it was a pertinent case. Somebody was trying to get have someone killed. I didn't want to take the case because I actually knew this person really well, which is why they felt safe in coming to me. And, uh, That was the beginning of the end of my time with the federal government. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So I've been, uh, ever since then, I've just been in the background shadows, uh, working and stuff. And uh, I just felt like it's time, you know, recently a friend of mine, a close friend of my family friend, she's actually my cousin, her son died. And uh, through the gang violence and stuff that's plaguing all our ghettos, you look at any ghetto, Chicago, New York, Philly, uh, Jersey, in any ghetto, it's the same thing. Black people are killing black people. And that's how my friends, my uh, cousin's son died and it affected her real bad. And I said, man, there has to be some way 
I could take what I've been through and turn it into something positive to help these kids to show them that they have another route. Because, you know, I got out of jail. I lived a life of crime, but I got out of jail in 2005. Uh, the Department of Justice let me out in 2005 because I was supposed to, my PSI had came back to life in prison, but I haven't came back. Oh, when they initially let me out, it was on a 30-day pass too. But uh, <laughs> I've never been back. <laughs> yes. Thanks for that detailed introduction. I would like to begin from uh, you know your early days. Uh, uh, you know you, you said you were locked up as a juvenile at some time when you were young. That means uh, you were less than 18 years old and you were convicted for a certain crime. Yes. Yes, mm -hmm. I was convicted for possession of firearm, robbery. Um, I used to steal cars. I started out stealing cars. Uh, we were living in, uh, taking them from Philly to New York, Allentown to New York, and that escalated to uh, other things. You know, my brother, I have two older brothers doing life in prison. And so, you know, at this time, I wanted to, I won't, I won't say I wanted to be like them. I wanted to have the things that they had, the the money, the cars, you know. So uh, I, at this time, I was pretty good in basketball, and my and my father tried did his best to try to keep me uh, in school playing basketball. But he, the streets grabbed me, <laughs> and uh, yeah, it was so. It was uh, mm -hmm. stole um, car theft, uh, armed robbery. Possession of instrument of crime and drugs. I, I did you have not time for? Yes. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Thanks for that. You kind of, uh, you know, partially answered my next follow-up question on that. Uh, you know, uh, you know, you said you, uh, you have two older brothers who are in uh, prison right now. My, my, my second question was, uh, you know, how were you introduced to this uh, uh, life of crime? And uh, you know, yes, your father was a responsible man, and he tried his best to keep you out of it. But then. Uh, you had a stronger influence uh, from elsewhere, uh, which pulled you into that life of crime at a very young age. You know, when you are less than 18 years old, uh, you know, uh, the only things that matter in life are what? You know, school, uh, clothes, maybe cell phones, little bit of music, movies, food, and that's about it. But how come, uh, you know, you rationalized with the idea of, you know, joining these uh, criminals? Because... That's how they groomed you uh, into whatever you became later on. Uh, you know, how, how, what, what pulled you in? Yes. Um, well, first, um, well, there were no, I'm 51 years old, so there were no cell phones in the 80s. However, there, <laughs> there was uh, beepers, um, and that was the, one of the things. Uh, just growing up, like, you know, semi-poor, and, and you just want a better life. You just want the things that are the opportunities that are not afforded to you. And when you're growing up in the hood, you know, uh, and then especially if you take if you take jobs away from the people in the, in the ghetto, in the hood, then they're going to do what they have to do to survive. Mm -hmm. You know, uh, you have to survive. Some life has to continue some type yeah. of way. And so I'm not saying that this is the reason why all black youth get involved in crimes, but it is a big majority. You know what I'm mm -hmm. saying? We're not afforded the same opportunities as mm -hmm. other youth groups are. Mm -hmm. And so, but you know, I'm not, I, but that being said, my reason was 
like I said, I, I, you know, I'm looking around me and I'm seeing, you know what I'm saying? The drug dealers pull up in the big cart. And like I, I was, this is, this was made my decision. I was at a basketball game. It was, uh, I was pretty good in basketball. And um, a lot of people were there watching me play. And my brother and my cousin pulled up. And it's, this was the 1980s. And my brother had a 1987 Pontiac Fiero GT. And everybody just flocked from the basketball court to him. And uh, I was just like, well, wow, would you look at that? And see, I wanted that. But see, now he, you know, got shot, shot at. And, you know, he, this particular brother, I have a brother doing life for murder. I have another brother doing a lot of time for um, armed robbery, you know, banks, armored cars and stuff like that. And um, my mom sent us from Chicago to Pennsylvania and New York to live with my father, who was like a Pentecostal preacher at the time, thinking it was a good way to keep us out of trouble. But you sent us from one ghetto to another ghetto and all of those things were still there. The only thing is now where I'm old enough to participate in, in, in them. And once you make cross that line, you can't have that. You can't say, oh, uh, I wanna steal cars, but I'm not gonna do nothing else. Cause once you open that door and you, you know, and you're about it, uh, so many opportunities come your way that, you know what I'm saying? Pretty soon, if, if, if you don't get with them, then they're going to consider you against them. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yes. Uh, it, it, it so, yeah, it was just the uh, growing up not having certain... Yes, go ahead. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so, uh, you, you know, uh, uh, I, I understand that explanation that you gave me, but in that uh, you didn't make a mention of how jobs were being taken out of the hood, the ghetto, and how equal opportunities weren't provided, you know, that problem statement exists to this day, uh, you know. Yes. Uh, yeah. I mean, I mean, things you know, things have changed, but the problem hasn't gone away. It's, it has taken different forms, uh, and in some areas, it has only grown instead of uh, going down. So, you know, th this uh, a problem of uh, equal opportunities not being provided in the hood. I would like to understand that. You know, well, you know, did your locality have as many schools, you know, primary schools like the other localities did? Um, well, put it like this, uh, once you are, we already have one strike against us being of color. That's already one strike. Mm -hmm. So if you don't have, and even if you do have a squeaky clean record, I, I still know of some people who had doors slammed in their face who never committed a crime and just was black. But, um, I know as for me, I did try to apply for a few jobs uh once i um i was in a stolen car chase and the police were chasing me i had a girl in the car her name was tasha Grays, and uh it was kind of like a famous chase in the hood the, we went under a, a roof of a truck and kind of half tore the roof off i was uninjured and got away but the girl she suffered some broken ribs and other injuries and she ended up telling on me Hold on, excuse me. Yeah, sure. Um. So with with so um after that, a police officer did come and try to straighten me out. They put me on this program, 
and um and I tried to follow the straight path. I remember the job that I applied for. It was uh working at a movie theater. And I didn't get the job because they knew about the police chase and everything. And then from there, that was the first and last, that was it. Like it was once that door shut in my face and I kept hearing people say, you know, the same thing were happening to them and around me. Uh, I just drifted off to a, a life of crime. You know, mm-hmm. um, enough, the one opportunity that was afforded to, to us was uh, if you didn't have a record to join the military. But as you know, you see how the military treats their veterans when they come home. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, the military is not a place for a black man either. Um, just growing, just growing up, we just ain't afford the same opportunities because of our skin color. Um, it's no coincidence that in every black community, you see what a liquor store, a, a gun store, a drug store. You know what I'm saying? But uh, uh, all these fast food restaurants. But you you go to uh, Caucasian communities and neighborhoods, and you don't see these same tools like you see health things you see uh better opportunities in general mm-hmm. so you know at the at the end of the day it is what it is and society can try to hide it all they want but it's plain for anybody who wants to see and view like you mm-hmm. said it's been that way since the 80s it's been that way since the 60s and it's yeah, that yeah. way today yeah it, it, when you say 80s you know that's yeah. a lot closer to the 60s and those were some dark times uh, and I presume, uh, you know, to this day, yeah. the impact of redlining has been there uh, uh, in the American society. And uh, uh, the, the the world community uh, definitely acknowledges that everyone knows about it, that this racial bias has been impacting communities uh, across the country. But, uh, you know, like you said, you know, there is disparity of opportunities being provided. Uh, but, you know, just yesterday, I had a conversation with... Uh, a person called Zek, a YouTuber. Uh, he's from Miami, but currently uh, stationed at uh, Kensington, you know, uh, Philadelphia. And he, he I know Kensington, Philadelphia very well. <laughs> that is, Go ahead, I'm sorry, speak up. Yeah, yeah. So that, that footage was just uh, uh, too disturbing for me to understand because, I, you know, I have been to the US, you know, I went to Mississippi State, so I know what America looks like. Uh, you know, okay. Uh, so, uh, you know, I haven't been to all the cities. Uh, so, you know, uh, Mississippi, Alabama, Louisiana, Georgia, Florida, a little bit of California. I did live in Virginia for some time. So I do understand uh, the American culture to some extent, uh, but uh, I never expected uh, what I saw in those videos. Uh, it's like uh, it's an open air free drug market and humans are like zombies there. Uh, and like they are doing drugs right in front of cop cars like police cars are driving by and they no one bats an eye. Like, you know, the addicts are standing on either side of police stations. Uniformed officers might yes. just go around and like no one wants to deal with them. It's almost as if like this is your heaven, like no one will mess with you, do whatever you want. And my conversation told me that on one side of the road, the dealers stand and the other side of the road, uh, the drug addicts. Uh, stand so you know this person got the permission from the dealers to take the footage of the other side so that the dealers they don't want to come on video uh, and so on so it's it's uh, uh, you know so to me you know, 
in today's time if, the, if this is the situation i can only imagine uh, how it would have been uh, uh, many years ago but uh, you know let's come back to your life of crime and how, how let me just iterate one thing with that in, in kensington mm -hmm. okay there was an event um having come into philadelphia i forget what the event was uh might have been olympics or something so they cleaned up kensington they gave all the drug addicts uh temporary housing um you it was not zombie land they they they, they cleaned it up and but when that event was over they let it go back right back to the way it was so that shows you that if they want to they can you know what i'm saying help the community get better they the, the um the government's well aware of the problem you know what i'm saying they just they they do what it fits into their agenda so when they fit it into their agenda to make Kensington clean Kensington up they did that but once their agenda was over it went back to even being worse than it was before you know you used to had to go up to the drug dealers and now you get off the train right there because Kensington a lot of it is under uh, the train the L and um you they could like you said you can't go get off the train and a lot of people have to take public transportation so you can't get off the train without seeing it the reality of it the people shooting dope in their arms the drug dealers the prostitution yeah, yeah. and everything a, that comes with that he he said there's a place called needle park there uh, a place called what needle park N needle park needle park oh yes yes oh yes yeah, uh, uh, and yes, uh, talking about the, yeah and uh, yeah. He, he did mention what you said so what he said was uh, if, if something is pl planned to happen there what they do is they kind of move all the drug addicts to you know some other part of the town and that's yes. a tempor temporary relocation temporary uh, yes yeah, yeah, exactly yeah. so the problem remains it persists and once the business owners in that part of the town start shouting then they clean up that street and then they get back to wherever they were and uh, you know what was, you know when you are 100% correct it 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 is just uh, and you know a lot of them are just lying on the streets uh, it's not clear if they have a family to go back to if they have a house of their own uh, you know if they have even eaten but uh, apparently they somehow uh, had the cash for all the drugs uh, and uh, you know it's 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 a, it's a very so you know did you uh, you know also do drugs uh, while you were being pulled into the life of crime yes mm -hmm. um for a long time i i i, I didn't because i was more of a uh bank uh bank robber stick up person so i had to be aware of my surroundings um mm -hmm. uh, at all times mm -hmm. but uh, i i did dibble and dabble here and there one time uh my brother broke my arm because he found out i was uh doing coke and then that was the end of that <laughs> okay Okay. So, um, uh -huh. yeah, I, yeah, you, uh, when, when you're in the environment, you get swept up in it. So I'm uh -huh. not going to lie, I just sugarcoat nothing. Uh -huh. Yes, I did. Yeah, yeah. Now, now, the thing is, when you are involved with these gangs and, in, you know, getting involved with a group in, uh, you know, armed robbery and the crime like that, uh, no matter how hard you try, the news almost always reaches home. That's going to be someone who's going to come back home uh, and tell your parents and other elders in the family, hey, your kid uh, you know was spotted there with these guys he was involved in something you know 
speak with him and ask him to stay away did that happen with you yes um well my like as i as i mentioned my father was a a pen he was a preacher in the church and he was also a, a part-time police officer so he he um one time he called me no i'm i'm sorry he called um this girl that is the same girl that i was in the stolen car with that took the roof off he called her he told cuz he was a, a part-time police officer so he told the, the 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 girl to tell me to turn myself in because the police are going to kill me they ain't going to ask no questions they just going to shoot on sight because they tired of me and my shenanigans and i had made one of them look bad because like i said during the police chase i got away and the cop was also injured and by this time i'm the third i'm the four of three older brothers that's we can have it in this in, in in the area so the police are well familiar with the cold pepper her name and uh so it is got it was getting back to my father and uh he he was sending me messages to turn myself in because the police were going to shoot me when they see me no questions asked this time they had already shot at my brother uh they didn't shoot him but they shot at him um and so he he somehow my father always knew a bank would get robbed and he he would know it was me somehow I, he still hasn't today found out how he he knew and um it was it got to one point where he uh found out where I was and told the police and that's how I got arrested mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. okay but you did say that once you had your name featured in a criminal record uh you know uh businesses establishment stop considering you for any kind of employment is that a standardized case everywhere like one complaint and no one is giving you a job yes except for the jobs nobody wants like the uh like you know at that time i would have been you know below minimum wage you know jobs that you know no nobody else will want you know but and, and you know now you can't even if you got a record you can't even get hired at McDonald's or Burger King or Wendy's or anything like that like you know and, and, and as i said you know they characterize us as criminals but you know in the 19 from the 1920s to the 1940s it was the Jews the Irish and the Italians committing all the crimes when they were made citizens then it came to us now we're the criminals you know when the, the Jews were given the media the Italians were given the uh fire department and the Irish were given the police department now they can oppress us and that's the way that it's been you know what i'm saying to this present day like we are the oppressed uh i watched a a, a youtube video the other day Uh, a white guy gets pulled over he has a gun in the car he's giving the cops all the static in the world and as he's saying please sir don't make me use force to please exit the car and the white guy's cussing out the cops and this and that if he would have been black it would <laughs> yeah, that would have went a different way and you know it's just it is that way all around the world not just in the united states but black people are being oppressed all around the world and it is the living conditions it is the living conditions that 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 we are put in when we put into the 
the hoods, the the high crime areas. Mm -hmm. Now, uh, you know, had your family, uh, you know, your parents chosen to move into the non-hood localities, uh, do you think your family would have got a chance to settle elsewhere in some other part of the town? Um, no, my father tried that. We He moved us out of the hood um, and to a little small town. Uh, at one time, I used to live in the Bronx, New York, and um, we moved to a small town in uh, Allentown, Pennsylvania. And, you know, it wasn't a bad town. It's bad now, but it wasn't when we first moved. Uh, and it's, But the same things, the same opportunities, the same ghetto, it was just a smaller town, but the same things uh, uh, were there waiting for us when we moved there. So yeah, he we we he tried that. Um, as a matter of fact, Allentown, Pennsylvania, is where the stolen car chase happened with the girl when I took the roof off the car. So there you have it. <laughs> that was uh, uh, in a small town. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Okay. Now uh, you know every time you were uh, either involved in crime or when the police officers were dealing with you, in their eyes, you were a part of the criminal groups. Uh, you know, uh, what kind of behavior uh, would you notice? My, my question is, if, if, if a white guy, uh, you know, or a non-African American person had committed the same crime that you did, uh, you know, do you think the police would have behaved the same way they did with you? I, I don't think I know, and how do I know? Is because what I seen, what I wit lived, what I witnessed. I had a uh, a friend of mine who was white. Uh, his name was I just say his first name was Thomas, and uh, we did. I'm not gonna get into specifics, but we had did uh, we had did some 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 crimes together. We had robbed some things and stuck up some drug dealers together, and. Uh, Whereas though I was sitting, did we had the exact same record? So whereas though I was sentenced to um, seven and a half to fifteen years in prison, prison, he was sentenced to two to four, and only had to do six months of that before he was sitting put into a probation program. He was one of them white guys that was white, like you you know you mentioned Kensington before. There's a lot of white people in Kensington like that, like, you know, that they're white, but they grew up in the hood. Mm -hmm. So I don't know if you want to consider him poor, right, trash, or whatever the case may be. That's not what I would consider him. But yeah, we had the exact same record. We had the exact same crimes. And I was sitting to seven and a half and the 15, and he was sitting to uh, two to four. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, would that sentence be different had the judge been an African-American? Is, is that a possibility? Well, this is this was uh, in the eighties, early nineties. I didn't know of too many African American judges, but uh, you know, you, you have to be. I, I can't answer that because sometimes it'll be an African American judge, but they'll still be agents for the for the uh, the white agenda. You know, like they they appoint them to them positions, but with the positions with them appointments come. Uh, circumstances and conditions that they have to follow. So, you know, I, I can't say if it will or not, but I don't think so. Mm -hmm. Because, I mean, at this time, there was there was not, there was very few African-American judges, but I will say that there are some African-American judges and people of uh, empowerment that do generally want to help us. Mm 
but then you have some that's just there as agents and you have to be able to decipher between the two. But what don't come out in the wash comes out the rent. So eventually the agenda gets shown. Mm -hmm. Okay. Now, uh, you know, you did mention some acts of crime that you are involved in. Uh, you know, those are things that I have only heard or seen in movies. Like when you said bank robbery, that is something I have only seen in movies. Uh, maybe a few car chases in some of the TV shows, and I wouldn't know what the suspect, uh, you know, if, if, if he was even a criminal. All I would see on TV is cop cars are chasing some other car who is speeding uh, somewhere in a highway, probably driving in the wrong direction. He's probably high on something, and then they end up catching him. Uh, and uh -huh. you know, that's just the wildest police chases and that kind of show. That's all I know. Anything else is only the movies. Now, you, you were young at that time and you were involved in armed robbery. Did it not strike you that, you know, the country that you were living in, you are living in that country, everyone could carry a concealed weapon. Just like you, someone across the desk might hold a weapon. And when you go in there, you know, it's not just you risking their lives, you are risking your life as well. Did that strike you at any point? It struck me a lot, but in, in the street, we have a code. It's kind of like a law. It's called first draw, lay the law. So if you got a gun and I got a gun, but I draw mine first, then I got this called the element of surprise. First draw, lay the law. I got to jump on you. So mm -hmm. as long as I handle my business from that point and not take my eye and lose focus off of you, then I'm in charge. I'm in control of the situation. If a police officer has a gun and somebody comes up to him and puts a gun to him in his back or his head or something, then his gun becomes non-void. So that's what we mean by first draw, lay the law. But uh, yeah, I've been, uh, you know, the, the first draw, lay the law doesn't always happen. Uh, I remember one time we had a, a, robbed a, a drug dealer, a Dominican drug dealer, and um. My one of my cousins tied him up, but not right way, and he got loose, and he did shoot back at us when we were at the car, like bullets were <laughs> flying over our okay. head. Yes. Okay. Okay. So that that does happen at times. Yes, mm -hmm. but it's mm -hmm. you know you either all in or you all out. Like you, mm -hmm. there's no half stepping when you do when you enter that life. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Now uh, the the other thing is when it comes to you know very specifically within the scope of you know oppressive behavior from the side of police. Uh, you know, oftentimes if they have a case that they absolutely have to close, and if they do not know who did that crime, they, they usually go after the history sheeters, the ones who already have a record of similar crimes, and they basically book them, uh, you know, just to close the case. Had that uh, ever happened with you? It didn't happen to me, but it actually happened to my little brother. And um, how 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 that works is they'll break they'll put you in jail because they know they think that the the average black guy won't do the paperwork or isn't smart enough to go in the library to get his appeal. That's how the federal government has a ninety nine conviction rate. They'll book the wrong guy in a minute, and they'll leave it up to you to going to library, the law library for five years and hire an appeal attorney, which a lot of us don't have money to do if we're in jail. So this is how they, but once they convict the, the once they convict you, 
then that adds to the 99% conviction rate. And this is how they get their rate. Uh, in Chicago right now, you have plenty of people being let out of jail because they were put in by crooked cops. That's now coming to light. See, a lot of people could get away with stuff in the past because there was no social media. There was no social media in the 80s and early 90s. But so the they could do but the judge would ask for some evidence. The cop cannot just cook a story. No, yes, he can. As long as he has a, 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 a snitch or an informant to lend some weight to what he says. So they'll just get any drug dealer, I mean, any crack addict off the street, clean them up a little bit and get that person to back up their story. You know, and say he's seen such and such new source or they will plant evidence, which is a lot of them today got caught doing. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And uh, and did did this uh, you know uh, design exist within the law enforcement where uh, they would purposely plant evidence to book uh, you know African American youth? Excuse me. Say repeat uh, the question, please. Did, did this habit exist uh, within the law enforcement where cops would deliberately plant evidence, uh, you know, most often specifically to book African-American youth? Yes, the, absolutely. I have a younger brother. Um, I'm not going to go into specifics, but I have a younger brother doing life for murder now. He has the mm -hmm. same name as me. Uh, and the, 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 the cops planted evidence where he's trying to get him a new trial now, but that cops actually have planted evidence to get this murder conviction on him. Yes. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So it's, it's, uh, it's not something that's uncommon. You know, if, if, if you got a cop that's been on the force for an amount of time and then you got a, 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 a person who has a criminal background that fits the criteria in the description, it's very easy for them to pull this person over, say they found coke in the car, or raid this person's uh, house, plant a bag of coke or a gun. I've known plenty of instances where cops have planted guns to get individuals off the street and get their convictions, yes. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Okay, that, that, that is disturbing uh, to hear. Uh, now, uh, you, know, uh, you know, did you face any risk to your life while you were part of these uh, criminal gangs? While you are still growing as a, a criminal yourself, did you did you ever feel that uh, you chose the wrong group of friends and that your life could be at risk? Yes, uh, plenty plenty of times. Uh, um, there was there was at one time where I was on the run, meaning uh, I was on the run in Philly. I was living in in the Bronx, New York. I was on the run. And uh, we were living in Webster Projects, Huntington Webster, and uh, this, this, this group of people that I was out, that, would, that I was uh, associating with in there, they went to some very bad things. There was a lot of abandoned buildings in the Bronx, New York, a lot of bandos. And the government knows this. And um, once I started seeing the activity that was going on inside these abandoned buildings, I was like, oh my gosh, do I really, what am I, is this really what I want to do? But at the time, I, I, I didn't have no choice. I was on the run for uh, a bank, I was on the run for two bank robberies and a shooting. And uh, 
I just didn't have a choice. So you just sometimes feel like you have to play the cards that are being dealt to you. Mm-hmm. And that's what I, I felt at that time. But mm-hmm. I always didn't like looking, getting up in the morning, looking over my shoulder. Every time you hear a siren, you think it's for you. You know, every time you hear a knock at the door, you telling everybody else in the house, yo, be quiet, be quiet, you, you, you know what I'm saying? Like, it's just a, a, a living in constant fear. And after a while, it, it catches up to you. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay, now, while you were involved with these criminal gangs, uh, clearly, uh, you know, it did involve uh, weapons, uh, you know, uh, and, you know, how did you get access to uh, firearms? You know, it's, it's not... Uh, cheap it's not a cheaper product and it's not easy to acquire one how did you uh, and the criminal gangs have access to those firearms who told you it wasn't easy to acquire a firearm who told you that would you who you getting that information from well, well, this is very easy to acquire okay. a firearm in the okay. hood okay um, I put st- it this way corrected. I stand yes, corrected. It is. My, my understanding is you you need to be a citizen you need to have a, a you know apply for a license to own a firearm you need a separate license to have you know carry a concealed firearm yes uh, and so there is a register which has your name with the exact specific firearm that you have yes. and uh, you know uh, you can't just release your that firearm is if you and want get one legally mm-hmm. that is if you want one legally if you're trying to own one legally as as a as a, a law abiding citizen Well, what person in the hood do you know is trying to own a gun legally as a law abiding citizen? You know, and, and then it's, it's like, we don't have planes. And when I'm saying we, I'm talking about black youth in the hood or black people, period. You know, these guns are put in the, the guns are put in the hood by the police for us um, because they allow us and they want us to exterminate each other. So it is very, if, if, if I got, If I got $100 in my pocket right now, I tell you, get in my car, follow me down to uh, a hood in Chicago, uh, and and we I could purchase a gun. Like, it, that's it's, it's easy as purchasing a candy how, how, from the store. How, how, how much does a basic gun cost, you know, the illegal one? How much did it cost back in the day? You mean legally? No, illegally. Or uh, illegally? illegally? Illegally, I bought my. Well, I'm sorry. I actually we robbed the army and navy store, and we were selling the guns that we had for 150 or 200. We had Desert Eagle nines, 45s that we had uh, broke into an army and navy store and stole. And uh, so, and that was then. Now they're more expensive, but. The drugs are being sold as more expensive, so people the people in the hood still have access to them. They're a little bit more expensive than they was when when, mm-hmm. when in the '80s and early '90s. Now you have to pay, but anywhere between, uh, I would say four or six hundred. You might could get one uh, a, a small thirty-two or thirty-eight or something for two fifty or three hundred. But now everybody is the, you, the the drive-by shootings are being done with automatic weapons, Dracos. Uh, 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 Mac 10s, Uzis, we call them UWAPs. Uh, and then you can get any one of them anywhere between four and 600, easy. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And how about ammunition? Same thing. As a matter of fact, ammunition is easy, even easier. You'll find people with ammunition with no guns. They just waiting for it to get the gun, to go with the ammunition. 
Uh, yeah. Ammunition is, is, is very easy to come by. And as I say, mm-hmm. um, we don't have a legal place to go buy this stuff, but you could get it in the hood like mm-hmm. that. And you know, it's placed there by the powers that be. Mm-hmm. So the same uh, thing with the drugs, you know, we don't own any planes or, you know, any Coke, Coke factories in Colombia, not like that. So somebody has to be bringing the drugs in the United States into the hood because they ain't us. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, but yeah. they drop it off to us because that gives them to the reason to police us and lock us up for it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you took yeah. me to the next question, which I was about to ask. You know, uh, you, you did make a mention that, uh, you know, these uh, forces, including the police, they put these things into the hoods. They don't do this in other localities so that this specific community gets branded as criminals and, you know, they can do whatever they want. And, you know, these illegal guns and drugs are being allowed in these localities alone, but not in other localities. Now, this is in sync with uh, many incidents, uh, you know, some that I recall would be, you know, whatever happened in South Central LA, there were many riot situations where the cops basically sealed off the streets a few blocks and then let African-Americans just attack each other. No one was knowing who Absolutely. was fighting whom. And they were just throwing things, robbing the stores, uh, you know, releasing their firearms at each other. They did not know if they, you know, if it was people versus police or police versus police, or you know, it was just people versus people. And, uh, you know, these, ri- these rights only happened in African-American communities uh, and so on. So the police kind of said, it's too dangerous. We won't go until things settle down. So they were basically saying we won't go until a few bodies drop down dead, uh, and, and that's what they did. So it, it's it just, that stereotype does exist. But the thing is, what is the source of these illegal weapons and drugs? You know, you know because that's the problem. Well, the, the source is the very people you just the name the 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 police and the powers that be. I remember, uh, you know, at at a while the Chicago gangs had a truce. They had a truce. The police did not want to see this truce. So they dressed up as gang members and killed one gang member, but look, they dressed up looking like they were the other gang member just to start the war all over again. Because if you got peace, if you got nobody killing each other, then guess what? They ain't got no jobs. So, you know, and I know you know that the prison system is, is, is a mega million, multi-million dollar operation, you know what I'm saying, for the police and uh, every everyone else involved. So mm-hmm. that, the, that the root of that problem is there. Like, as I said, like we don't, um, as black people, we own very few uh, uh, um, self-sustaining properties uh, that could bring in uh, uh, shipments of guns. Uh, the, 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 Draco, the Draco guns that these kids are, are, are shooting each other with now. 13 years old. So what do you think that they where do you think they get them from? They're not going to Walmart and getting them. They're being placed in the hood by the police. Mm-hmm. And that is the root of the problem. When you when you start rooting out these these uh bad cops that want to see us harm and kill each other, because I'm not saying it's all, but it's more than people like to admit. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so and then know. when they get caught at it, it's just, oh, that's a bad apple. Mm-hmm. That's that's he's just a one bad apple, but mm-hmm. you know it's like Dave Chappelle said in, in his thing. Uh, some jobs you can't have no bad apples. You know what I'm saying? You yeah. you, you don't have no bad apples flying planes. Mm-hmm. 
you, you don't have, you understand? So why can't you not have no bad apples in the police department? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I, absolutely. Now, uh, you know, uh, at what point did the Department of Justice offer you, uh, you know, you said CI, does that stand for confidential informant? Yes, yes. Okay, at what, at what point uh, in your life, uh, you know, did uh, in the Department of Justice offer you that exchange? Um, because of my um, criminal association with certain um, uh, high-powered Philadelphia crime figures, I was uh, able to come through some information of uh, a plot to blow up the federal building in Philadelphia, um, 6 Mark Street. And uh, so I seek guidance from um, a high Muslim counselor. Um, and he advised me to do the right thing, that these people that are blowing up stuff are not Muslims. You know, they, uh, um, suicide is, is, is haram, which means this is a sin. Haram means sin in Arabic. It is a sin in um, Islam. So these people are not m Muslims that are, are setting these off these bombs that are killing each other and themselves. So I uh, relayed the information to uh, the government, and uh, there was a prosecutor at the at the time by the name of Joseph Paluka, who did not want to let me out of jail. He was like, look at this person's criminal background, history, record, not this, that. And uh, so it was, it was because he did not want to let me out of prison that the Department of Justice had to let me out of prison. Uh, and at that time it was on a 30 day pass because he could have filed what's called a rule 35, the prosecutor. It's called a Rule 35 because of my cooperation with the federal government, letting them know about the plot and everything, that he could have let me out. But he refused. Shortly after that, he wasn't a prosecutor no more. His name is Joseph Paluca. He wasn't a prosecutor no more. He was, he he had to open his private, uh, uh, private practice. So, you know, I don't want to say it was because he didn't want to let me out, but shortly after that, he, he, he began a private practice and I believe he still runs that private practice to this day. And um, the Department of Justice let me out of jail on a 30 day pass, December, 2005. I worked uh, uh, the, the, the plot to the building. They changed the security system and all that. And uh, I had to pass a lie detector test first to determine that I was passing the truth. Then they did their investigation. They then found, wait a minute, he's right. Uh, and so through that pot, I guess, uh, you know, terrorism has things called JTTF, which are joint task force. So then, you know, people uh, task force from other agencies like New York. Uh, I started working with them through some plots uh, in uh, other places as well. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Okay. Uh, uh, you know, uh, that's uh, interesting. Uh, I'm trying to recall. Uh, interesting in all true. <laughs> <laughs> this is really, uh, uh, you know, uh, heavy information for me to process. You, you are, uh, you know, easily describing these things. It's hard for me to uh, get my head around this. Now, okay, here's my next question. Well, you know, I, I can tell you that. I can tell you. Oh, I'm sorry. I didn't. Go ahead. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, when it comes to, you know, armed gangs, you know, very specifically, uh, you know, African-American youth, you know, having guns, you know, armed gangs. Uh, if we are going to see that, you know, 
there were uh, you know uh, political leaders you know the likes of malcolm x and there were black panthers you know they also were being branded as criminals they did have firearms they did get involved in acts of crime but uh, their justification was they were fighting for the oppressed and they were trying to get back uh, at the oppressors uh, you know how far do you agree with their rationale and you know if all the hoods and the african american youth had access to guns did it not strike anyone to pick that up and point it at the person and you know say you know this thing ends right now you know after malcolm x you know uh, what, what did everyone decide never ever to go down that road well they should have because they should have seen after malcolm x that if you try to do anything to help black people anyway if you show any type of mass organizational skills to help black people you will be assassinated and killed doesn't matter if you black white green yellow uh kennedy mega evers malcolm x uh, I, i i could go on and on if you show any type of organization to that you have any type of organizational skills to help black people out of the oppressed state that they into bring black people together or oh, they not having that you got to go and you know so they going to either kill you or silence you or put you in jail you know i, I like i said i was a, a terrorism informant from 2005 to 2013 uh so i being around them i've i've, I've learned some certain ways of how they move i also learned certain truths about certain things and what i just told you is the absolute truth that uh if you if you are of a person of a celebrity status and you try to use your celebrity to help bring black people together and stop stop instead of stop killing each other oh you will be uh, dealt with accordingly uh it doesn't matter who you are they might tear down your character or they might throw you in jail or they or might just kill you if they get the opportunity and think they could uh make it any type of believable or any kind of confusion by saying oh he overdosed or this or that or they just uh, outright assassinate you they do not want nobody you know this this country was built on slavery you know the police were built to police the slaves and then when slavery ended because of the 13th amendment The 13th amendment almost says that slavery is still legal if you are in prison. So they still want that cheap labor. So they don't want no so that from from that thing from that right there came to what we see in today. How the police police us in the hoods today different than they police the white communities. I know you can see that. So they don't want nobody in coming in between that agenda at all. It's what America was built on. Mm-hmm. and you know thank goodness for social media because now a lot of the things that they used to get away with by just saying no that ain't true or they can't do that no more because now the video cameras are out but you see they still do it they just it's just known yeah. now and because it's so known you have more people standing up to try to fight it mm-hmm. yeah you did mention early on in the discussion that you know the irish got the police forces uh the italians got a certain line of work and uh, the fire the fire department the fire department and who was the third group the jews got the media 
news got the, the uh, media, yeah, yeah. the civil service yeah, yeah. jobs. So now, now usually when a, a, a diverse democratic setup evolves, you know, different uh, ethnic groups kind of uh, gang up, they make their representation, you know, within their government and say that, hey, we are a significant size. And if you want to stay in power, you need our votes as well. Uh, so you better take care of us. They kind of do a hard negotiation and that's how they end up taking such, uh, uh, you know, industry sectors under their control, you know, which kind of favors that particular community besides others. You know, it would predominantly fall yes. on their side. Now, uh, did uh, uh, the African-American community not come up with such a leadership who could successfully negotiate such an exchange? Hey, the Italians are getting this. The Jews have got that. Uh, you know, the Irish have got the police force, you know, we need something for us as well. Uh, you know, wasn't there a leader who, who could even try and negotiate that? Well, uh, we probably were too busy trying to fight for our life. But at this time, we are still being uh, oppressed majorly. And um, let's take, for instance, uh, when, 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 when these people were even... Uh, citizens, the, 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 the Italians, they weren't considered white until 1940. That's why they started the, the, the mafia, the, 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 the criminal gang, the, the Jews and the Italian, um, the Jews and the Irishmen as well. They were all criminals. The Kimonies built their empire on what? Bootlegging, which was the drugs of their time. You know? So when anybody of color as I just spoke to you, ever ever tried to speak up and organize us in that way, they were removed from the picture. Uh, Veer during that time was Mega Evers. Mm -hmm. uh, it, it just, you know, anybody who tries to organize us or elevate us as a people in any way uh, mm -hmm. will get chopped down. Um, now, granted, like, you know, the purpose of me coming out with my story now, and you know, because I could have sat on this, nobody would have known, you know, because um, I'm, I'm trying, because like I said, when my cousin's son got killed, I said, man, this has to be something that the life that I lived that I could do. So, I, you know, I want to build a community center, it's called, I'm going to call it the Peace Center, where in the, you know, uh, I had, I, what, what you didn't know is how you said this is all interesting. During the time that I was a, 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 a working terrorism, there was a, a reporter out of Philadelphia by the name of Kitty Caparella, who she was uh, writing a book on me. Uh, and they were going to do a t TV series because at the end of the day, how many people could say they got out of jail 2005 facing a life sentence to work a terrorism case? Um, that was all. I didn't know that the feds had gave her permission or whatever the case may be. But um, as I told you, when they asked me to work the murder for hire case, and I didn't want, I, I, I just didn't want, I knew them people. And I kept telling them, I don't want to testify. I don't want to testify. And they made me. And then so when you, once you made me, I told a lie to get out of that and to get them off because I knew them personally. Like they're over my house all the time. So, which is why they felt comfortable in coming to me. So I had, I felt as though, did my, my time with the federal government was coming to an end anyway. So I felt as though I had to make it right with that family. So mm -hmm. I, I told a lie. They let the, 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 the wife out of jail that tried to hire me. And I lost the book and movie there because of that. 
Now that was years ago, maybe three, four years ago. Mm-hmm. So now I'm by getting my story back out, I'm hoping someone else will come and through the through the book and movie deal, I plan to finance the Peace Center where I will be mm-hmm. teaching uh, in the Peace Center coding, job training, mental health issues, uh, you know what I'm saying? Uh, uh, reading and writing music, things that could, you know what I'm saying? Trying to show the black kids that, and, 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 and children of color that you have a way out. You don't have to kill each other. It's not the way out. You know, we're committing genocide by killing each other, you know, or ex- exterminating, um, feeding into the higher up plan is what they want us to do. So I just want to try to, you know, use my story to get these use. You know, I have children and, you know, I, I just want to try to make it better for them. They don't have to choose the route that I chose. And I'm living proof that you can come, get out of jail and stay out. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that is definitely a very strong statement and it should reach a lot of people. Uh, and I sincerely hope it does. Now, you know, what you had to do with the Department of Justice, the police, that is between you and the police. I don't understand why the journalist had to drop the idea of the book. You know, it's still your story. Um, as it was explained to me, is that, you know, the, the, Department of, the Department of Justice got me out of jail. Why? Because I passed that lie detector check and it was determined that I was telling the truth about everything. So once you're dealing with the feds, that's it. That's how I knew when I told that lie would end with them because they, once, you, once you're a federal informant, once you tell a lie, that's it. That's it. And what, 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 like I told you, what I didn't know and what that what, what that journalist is, is that, you know, um, she somehow equated that, you know, me telling the lie about the uh, murder for hire thing. Uh, in her eyes or her point of view, she said that uh, the, the government shut her down. So I don't, you know, she never got into any specifics. Um, hey, her name's Kitty Caparella. She's uh She's a senior reporter now for the Philadelphia Inquirer and Daily News. And uh, also there was a guy by the name of, uh, uh, what was his name? Sam, I can't, Sam something. He wrote a couple books on the black mafia, which is, uh, I told you was through my criminal association with some high ranking um, criminal figures that I obtained information about the plot in the first place. Well, he had wrote a book about them, so he was also interested. But like you said, I don't know why when, once that happened, the book and TV show deal still, still should have been legit because it didn't, one thing didn't have nothing to do with the other. But Kitty said that it did. And mm-hmm. so that was the end of that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay, okay. In one way, I am glad that happened that way because you know, here's my next question in that line. Uh, you know, Once you became a confidential informant, uh, did that not put you, uh, your life at risk? You know, you know, because if the gangs had known that you are telling the police about their activities, then you know they, they would quickly jump to the conclusion. They won't negotiate with you. Uh, you know, they basically eliminate yes. everyone they doubt. So you know, you becoming an informant means you risking your life on a daily basis. Uh, you know, how, how did you rationalize with that uh, uh, idea? Because the cops are safe. It is you. Uh, risking your life every moment. You, you sure you ready for the truth for that answer? Yeah. Well, and th- then this is another reason why I think that I lost the book and movie deal too. Um, 
the truth the, the truth to that answer is there's a reason why she felt comfortable with coming to me asking me to kill someone. Um, there came a time when I came home, like I said, I was supposed to be doing life in prison. So there came a time when people were like, man, how'd you get out? You know what I'm saying? So long story short, pressure bust pipes. So I had to participate in some more bank robberies and what have you while I was out working these federal cases because I had to maintain that street cred. Why? Mm -hmm. Because my life was in jeopardy. Mm -hmm. But they didn't know that all this whole time. So I think at the end, when um, I got a, when, when the lady got arrested for murder for hire and she, and she found out I was a federal informant and she's like, how is he gonna be a federal terrorist informant when he's one of the biggest drug dealers and da, 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 which it was true. And I think that also made Kitty cancel the movie deal. But like I said, they didn't know, they weren't with me 24 hours a day. And while they, when I wasn't working with them, I still had to survive in the hood in the Bronx, in the hood in Philadelphia, you know what I'm saying? In these places, in the hood. And uh, I had to do what I had to do to maintain my street credibility. Mm -hmm. No, no, the thing is, did you have anything uh, which could act like an insurance because you know a very specific group within law enforcement they know you are an informant no one else would know about this deal that you had with DOJ uh, and you know here you are having you know two different lives uh, you know you, you are living at the same time so you need to be involved in crime just so the gangs trust you but at the same time you need to pass on information there had something happened to you while you were living the life of crime, you know, having a double life at that point, uh, you know, what insurance uh, did the Department of Justice give you? You know, if, if something had happened to you, did they have your back? Did they promise you something? <laughs> what? No, not as far as the, um, as the street code, that was all me. What they did give me, what the federal government did give me was like, like uh, I, well, they didn't give me anything. One time I was coming back from the Bronx, New York, and I had a gun on me. I was convicted felon, and uh, I had some some drugs on me. Um, I was taking them from the Bronx to Philly. To, to Philly. I got pulled over, um, and I was with a certain Puerto Rican female, and uh, she was panicking and everything. I said, just relax, just relax. He asked for my license and registration. Not even two minutes later, he came back and said, get out of here. And he gave me my license back. So I said, hmm, I wonder what that was about. So I asked uh, a certain uh, federal agent who uh, I was close to, and I then I was I, I knew that they had an umbrella on me, over me, as far as the law was concerned, but not as far as the streets was concerned. I was on my own. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Okay, if anything had happened to you on the streets, uh, you are on your own. That's I was on my own. Yes. Okay. okay. So okay. I had. I, that's why I had to do what I had to do. To, you know what I'm saying? Maintain mm -hmm. that street cred. Mm -hmm. uh, because when you know when you 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 have the criminal background that I have, and you come from the you know the the the, the criminal circles that I come from, even not even my own blood brothers, but like you know, in jail. Uh, criminal organizations are formed and then they continue to the street. That bond is real. 
So I constantly had people, you know what I'm saying? Once they seen I was home, giving me bricks of coke, you know what I'm saying? And, and, and stuff for this nature. But there came a time, and, and, and the feds knew about it. I, I let them know about it because a state trooper suspected me for a specific crime. And I told the federal agent, his name was Derek Butler. I told him, I said, well, what did you want me to do? Y'all told me to survive and not the best way. And that's what I had to do. Mm-hmm. And so I think at the end, when, 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 they, when it was thrown in their face that I actually was living this double life because of the murder for hire thing, I think that's what canceled the, uh, the I wasn't Maybe. told this, but I'm just assuming that, mm-hmm. you know, they wanted a goody, good, good story, not that part of it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's, uh, uh, but, but, you know, the thing, the, the other question I had uh, for you is, uh, you know, at some point in time, uh, you know, the news that you were a CI would have gone out. Uh, did that uh, reach the gangs and did they, did they try to get back at you? Yes, the, the news I had, the news had reached um, several people in the hood that I was a CI working with the government. And like I told you at that time, I did what I had to do. One of one of the figures I was up under was the one of the leaders of the Black Mafia. His name is Amin Abdul-Jabbar. May he rest in peace. Uh, he was, I don't know if you ever heard of the Black Mafia out of Philadelphia, but there's a guy who wrote, wrote a book uh, about them. Um, and he told me, because uh, when, I, I, when I first came to prison, I was young, 17 years old, in a state prison full of the worst criminals in an area of the Philadelphia area. And so I got into a lot of fights. And so he told me, learn to pick your fights. Don't fight a lot. He said, because eventually you're going to lose one. He said, pick somebody and make an example out of that person. And that will stop you from having to fight all the time over the same thing. And that's what I did. The one person came up to me. I did make an example out of that person. I didn't kill him. I didn't, ever, I didn't kill nobody. Um, otherwise, I probably would be in jail. Um, but I de- definitely made an example out of him, and uh, that cooled it down for a little bit. So people, when people start coming home from prison that was in prison, because now the feds are coming to see me all the time while I'm in prison. I'm constantly getting pulled off the block. So the people on the block with me know what's going on. The jail is just like the street. So they know the feds are, are coming to see me. They know I'm, I'm working with the feds. Before the department got me, the partner adjustments got me out of that jail, the, the feds were constantly pulling me off the block. You know what I'm saying? Um, uh, uh, picking me for my knowledge of Islam and, and you know, certain things about that. Plots and, and, and other things, yes. So, yeah, there came a time where, yes, I did it, that, that my life was into, like I said, I had to do what I had to do. But then, you know... Yeah, no, no. Uh, you know, getting back to your role as the CI while you are dealing with the terrorism case, uh, did did that involve, uh, you know, uh, religious fundamentalists, uh, you know, trying to plan some acts of uh, terror? What, what, yes. What, at what, one what, time what, they wanted to. At what, one what, time what, they wanted to. Yeah, go ahead. No, you go first. No, you no, go I, first. No, you no, go. I, I was basically asking, okay, what were they planning and. Uh, how did you end up uh, getting those facts out? Um, 
I, I spoke to one federal agent that, that used to be involved with the case, with, with the case. He was actually involved in getting me out of jail. Um, I can discuss some things like the pot, but I can't discuss going to specifics because it's still a matter of national security. So, you know, like I can tell you that there was a plot to the federal building because that was the known public knowledge. And uh, I worked a couple uh, cases uh, that was connected to uh, the blind shape. Um, I worked a couple cases that was connected to him. Uh, at this moment, I can't go into specifics. I'm trying to get the freedom that I can go into specifics because like I said, I also have a book and coming out and uh, want to and uh, the specifics to be in the book. And I'm also going to start my own podcast. And so mm -hmm. by this time, maybe I'll be able to discuss more. Mm -hmm. uh, mm -hmm. But I have to, but the federal yeah, agent I, I, told me I have to watch what I say because some stuff is still a matter of national security. I, and I, I in the paper, the, the, the lawyer for the girl was like, how is his record a matter of national security? Because, uh, you know, I was in jail all this time, but my record was a sponge. And the, the feds were telling him, well, his record is a matter of national security. Well, now you know why. It's because I worked terrorism for those for all those years. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah, you know, we, let's not get into the specifics. I don't want you uh, to land in any further. I want to end up this. Right, right, right. Yeah, but, but, but uh, you know, what, what I want to understand is without uh, revealing any details, those who are planning those uh, acts of crime, uh, you know, this whole religious identity they were carrying, was that a mask they were wearing uh, to create a form of uh, uh, emotion uh, or, or, or to create an opinion? Uh, you know, or did they have anything Absolute, to do with religion? Absolutely not. Wait, uh, are you asking? So uh, if you're asking me what I think you're asking me, absolutely not. These, these people who commit these acts of terror they are, they believe in what they are doing. They believe um, that when they are martyred, that they will be in paradise with 73 versions. They believe this is what's coming to them when they uh, commit these acts of terrorism. Yes, it's, it's, just, it's, it's really? a part of Islam. Yes. And um, one time they asked me to, they were asking me to go overseas to Yemen. I can't say this. Uh, I was telling my attorney at the time, her name was Ann Dixon, and I was telling another a federal agent by the name of Jeff Gray out of Squad 3 in Philadelphia, I don't want to do this. This is, y'all didn't say I was going to, you know, I don't want to do, I'm okay on my turf. Now mm -hmm. you're sending me across overseas to Yemen where I don't know nobody and I can't move how I need to move if I get in trouble. Mm -hmm. So at the last minute, they aborted that. But uh, when I was in that group that was trying to send me over there, they were about their business. Like they were, uh, they believe that the United States is the devil. Point blank. No, they're hypocrites. They believe that, you know, that, uh, um, how could I put it? I want to make sure that, I, that I, I, I say this in the right way. That um, they believe that that there is no God but Allah. So when you bring upon partners in that, 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 that your whole United States is committing shirk that are not Muslims. And the, the penalty for shirk 
is death. When you associate partners with Allah, it's death. Mm-hmm. Did, did, did they ever seem to uh, recognize this idea that whatever they were doing is going to create a bad name for Muslims all over the world? You know, All Muslims are not going to think like they did. But because of whatever they did, all the Muslims are going to be blamed. And, you know, just like how, you know, the, uh, the color of the skin is going to make someone uh, look like a criminal in someone's eyes. Because of these incidents, you know, anyone with a Muslim name is going to be suspected. Uh, did, did that idea ever strike them? Well, you know, it's, it's, it's no being on the fence, they believe. You either for us, you either with us or you're against us. Mm-hmm. And if you're with us, fight for the cause. And if you're against us, suffer the penalty of being against us. And mm-hmm. uh, they make no mistake about it. Like you believe if you help a lady across the street or help, help an old lady across the street, that's a good deed that may end, may end up in the, may end up getting you into the kingdom of heaven. They believe that when they're committing these acts of violence, that these acts will end up getting in, into uh, Jannah, which is heaven in Arabic. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And uh, uh, any idea what was the source of the information which had brainwashed this group? Um, some of these, okay, so hate is not born, it is, it is taught. So mm-hmm. most of these groups from the, from the time they're growing up, uh, the Adan is meant, uh, whispered in, in the right ear. The Adan is the call for the Muslim prayer. And the Akama is mentioned in the left. And from that point on, they are taught that uh, America is what it is in their eyes, which is the devil, you know what I'm saying? The devil's palace. And so if you teach, if say, for instance, you have a child. And from the time that child is born, you teach him that uh, the black man is the devil. That child is going to go and grow up believing that, mm-hmm. and that's what the that this is the set that these people come out of. Not to mention that America don't have its share. It, it's not short of its share of enemies by a long shot. You have a lot of people who would love to do some bad things to America. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, no, no. Within these gangs. Did you see any kind of ethnic diversity or were it all African-American youth? No, it was not all African-American. They were trying to recruit African-American youth, but it was mostly uh, from the Arab nation that was trying to recruit us to, you know, mm-hmm. to participate in because they know how, they know our relationship with America. They know mm-hmm. how America oppresses us. So what mm-hmm. better way to get back okay. than okay. to get back? Okay, okay. Now you understand? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yes. So they were trying to portray America as the common enemy. Yes. So I was, you know, picked to infiltrate these organizations that were trying to recruit us to commit acts of terror. Acts of terror. Mm-hmm. You know, especially uh, any, out of the prison. Uh, any reason why they specifically avoided the other races? You know, why? Why only African Americans? Who's being oppressed by the government? African American. I, I didn't hear you. I didn't hear you. Who you say? <laughs> African American. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Okay. That's the reason. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And uh, and you know, anyone could. Why come would you? Why would they try to recruit a white boy 
to 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 do something against America when white guys have it their way. This is their playland. You know, you could be what you want to be, but you take mm-hmm. the black man who's being oppressed constantly by the police and anybody, and you know, you know that he has all this hatred in his heart. You try to play off of that hatred, and you know, offer them mm-hmm. to do certain things. Yes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I mean, I, I can understand this rationale, but still, uh, you know, uh, there could be many other organizations who could try to do the same. But as it turns out, this is religious fundamentalist groups uh, who are trying to do uh, this, uh, you know. And I, I'm glad that you brought. And then you also out. have a lot of Afro-American Muslims mm-hmm. more than any other ethnic group outside of Arabic. Mm-hmm. In the United no, States, yeah. yeah see, 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 um, my problem is there is this group, uh, you know, who in un, under the guise of Islam and whatever they want to believe, they want to commit acts of crime, and they know they have a reason. They rationalize with it, but all the Muslims do not subscribe to that idea. I mean, even African American no. Muslims, uh, you know, uh, you know, just because they are African American and Muslim does not mean they subscribe to this. Uh, uh, acts of terror and you know they believe this us no. is the devil and thing but 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 what happens is they are already being sidelined because of the color of their skin and if they have converted to islam that's uh, you know one more reason why they would be put under uh, the scanner you know oh okay he's not only black but he's also a muslim so chances yes. are uh, you know he's violent and he's involved with some other terror group that African American Muslim could be a honest tax-paying citizen. He, he yes. like he wouldn't have uh, you know shoplifted a candy from a Walmart, uh, but he could easily be stereotyped uh, you know for for a terrorist. Now you know the, that just right. could you know. And a lot of them were, were were a lot of like you said there are a lot of honest, true, sincere Muslims who believe in Laila Hadallah Muhammad Rasulullah. That are unnecessarily targeted by these people just because of that. I'm I'm mm-hmm. um, I'm talking about by the federal government as well. Like they'll be watching them and, and disrupting their lives. And all these people are trying to do is make five and strive, which mm-hmm. is make five prayers and strive to peace of Allah to, to please Allah. Mm-hmm. So yeah, you do have you do have it on both ways where you know not only are these groups aware of our history with the government, but the government also uses this. As as a as a ruse to harass certain Muslim individuals, black with the X on their back, because they chose to convert to radical Islam, the government likes to term it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean that 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 is just brutal and uh, uh, unreasonable in every sense. Now, now my uh, my other question is, uh, you know, uh, every time someone with a racial bias, you know. Uh, who considers you know whites are better than uh, blacks and so on? Who have that kind of bias? When they say they often stereotype African American people as oh oh they you know they are lazy. The government is providing them with affirmative action. They have welfare money given to them. Uh, they don't work. They take free cash and they get involved in crime. What more can we do for them? They need to pull themselves up uh, almost as if. Uh, the African Americans have been given equal opportunities, and they chose uh, the life of wrongdoings uh, on their own. Uh, but uh, you know, every, every time this uh, topic of oppression is being brought up, the counter is always saying that, well, 
the government is doing so much for them uh, what is the reality of the situation and you know how far has uh, you know government actually you know uh, you know handed you know got its hand out uh, in support of the african americans has that ever happened well it's, it goes it goes back to uh what we said in the beginning of the podcast you know um from 19 from the early 1900s into 1940s it was the the jews the irish and the italians committing all the crimes doing all the mafia you doing the mafia hits and so on and so forth when them three ethnic groups became white people now that you can further flesh the black man so as as black people if we don't have you know what i'm saying nothing to build on you know everybody has their own community except us they keep us divided um so we're not afford the same opportunities there's a this you know even the chinese got chinatown you know what i'm saying but african americans have nothing nothing so you know but that's not to say some of us you know we're perseverance we're people who used to persevering so you know some of us do persevere and i'm not saying that if you want to you can't succeed you know you have successful black people you know what i'm saying but they are far and few and the majority are not afford, afforded that opportunity at all mm-hmm. um all you have to do is geographically look at where we live at as a people and where everybody else lives at you know what i'm saying there's no other group no other group not chinese not spanish not Italian, not no other group not indian killing themselves like we are killing ourselves and this is with the help of the federal government that's putting the guns and everything in on there i'm not i'm sorry i said federal government i'm going to say the powers that be until i know that i can name certain specifics without getting in trouble i'm going to say the powers that be mm-hmm. uh so you know they if you if 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 somebody constantly has their foot on your neck or on your back it's hard to get up some of us are able to get up there strong enough but a lot of us are unable to get up from under that foot under our neck mm-hmm. and uh that's why that term came from joy floyd george floyd i'm sorry get your get your knee off my neck they have our they have their knee on our necks you know mm-hmm. uh this weekend 50 people shot eight kids killed last weekend labor day weekend it was like 75 like these numbers keep producing themselves who's the, who's the ethnic group that's dying here it's us so those people can say what they want to say but it because it ain't their ethnic group that's dying and being oppressed mm-hmm. now w- what do you think uh, you know besides the drugs and illegal weapons uh, what do you think is keeping this uh, african american community divided because at some point they you know this community needs to get together as one unit that has to happen at some point without that uh, this thing is not going to come to an end what what is keeping the community divided well they're also getting to us through music i don't know if you listen to to music lately but it's def- is there's definitely has a dark devilish content to it now it's not like the music we was listening to growing up in the 80s and 90s you know and they're also uh pushing that agenda on us as well and uh 
you uh, you also have uh, the fact that you know they trying to take away our real our, our ability to reproduce as a people. So yeah, how how is that happening? How how is that happening? Are they enforcing? Um, like I said, you have the you have you have to the devilish. Uh, the music, and then you have the, the pushing of homosexuality, which if that's your, there's nothing wrong with that. But a man, you can't produce another black baby by having sex with another man, black man. You can't produce no babies that way. You know, you, it has to be a man and female. You can, you can adopt and do all of that, but that takes a whole nother different route. The natural way is sex between a man and a woman. So, you know, and you, you, when you push man on man sex, then your people don't have the ability to reproduce now, do they? Now, that's not saying that I have anything against uh, gays, Jews, or anything like that. You know, uh, mm -hmm. everybody, whatever makes you eat to each your own, whatever, you, whatever makes you happy. But this mm -hmm. agenda is not being pushed on any other community besides whose? Mm -hmm. Ours. Mm -hmm. you, you know, it is yeah. what it is, and it's being pushed mm -hmm. through the music. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Now, uh, you know, towards the end of this discussion, you know, when, when I compare, you know, different themes of similar oppression across cultures, across different countries, uh, you know, the oppressed community is almost always smaller in number. Uh, you know, they, they don't hold the economic powers at any point in time. They are always at the mercy of the powerful and so on. But, uh, you know, the key problem that uh, I personally uh, observe is that, uh, you know, it is in the younger age, you know, when the kids are, you know, from three to six years old, right, when they, uh, you know, start learning ABCD, the one, two, threes, you know, the basic reading and math, you know, that early kindergarten and primary school, uh, you know, as long as the kids successfully complete that primary school, they almost always go to elementary and a good chunk of them do clear uh, high school. But uh, you know, those who drop out of that primary school, they remain uh, uneducated and they kind of uh, are left outside the whole ring of uh, you know, uh, jobs that are accessible to the educated individuals. So in my view, uh, education is not equitably reaching you know all the communities uh, within the country and this is common across cultures and almost always these oppressed communities are at the receiving end of this bias where you know if if, it, if you are white and rich then you have like 10 schools to choose from uh, but you if you are african american living in the hood you have two schools one of which will not take you for whatever reason <laughs> and so you are left with that one school and if you do not have a conducive environment at home you basically drop out uh, you know uh, you know at a very young age and by the time you reach 13 14 and you can't read or write like the other kids that uh, element of shame keeps you out of school forever you know at that point the teenager decides well instead of saying i can't read he he would say i don't want to read i don't want this thing and at that, from that point onwards, you know, the, those individuals are kept outside of this bubble of, uh, you know, education. And, and, you know, this is basically how, in my view, the system generates this workforce for, you know, custodial jobs, jobs that most people don't want to do. You know, uh, you know, uh, they, they want they want to have a specific group who remain uneducated. And in my view, 
they really target at the primary school education as long as you can ensure kids you know from the age of 6 to 8 years old if they cannot read and do basic math then they probably are not going to cross 8th grade uh, and as long as someone is not completing high school uh, then you have that uh, you know a slave type labor force ready to support your lavish lifestyles and i think that Two is stars. something we need to uh, uh, you know counter across the world across cultures across countries and uh, you know i sincerely and, uh, hope uh, yes go ahead and wh what about this why what what happened to coding and teaching our kids trades in school you know mm -hmm. heating plumbing electric stuff like that you know you don't i know people who who went to school for four years and still have trouble finding jobs. You know what I'm saying? Uh, I, I, I think what you said is very, is very true story, all of it. But with that, I would like to add that, you know, uh, let's start going back to teaching the trades and the coding in school. You know what I'm saying? Maybe some people don't have the opportunity or can afford college. You know what mm -hmm. I'm saying? Yeah. Trade school is a lot easier and you can be taught right there in school. You know, what do you think about that? Well, uh, I, I would like to differ in that regard. So the, the reason is that, you, you know, such a problem exists even here uh, in my city. Uh, you know, uh, if you go to the localities where the economically and socially oppressed people live predominantly, uh, you, know, those, you know, those neighborhoods are poor. Uh, you know, not all the families have both the parents educated. Uh, you know, high school, you know, school dropouts are uh, very common there. And oftentimes the advice given to kids in those localities, uh, you know, those neighborhoods is like, you know, uh, pick up boxing, pick up football, pick up this sport. If you kind of excel in that, you might get some kind of a storekeeper job somewhere just because you got a medal in some kind of sport. But you like move the camera to this rich part of the town where you know kids have cars like you know chauffeured cars dropping them and picking them at schools you know the, you 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 li listen to the advice they receive it's like you know plan for engineering plan for medical sciences you know try to become a district attorney uh, you know uh, try to enter the civil services this is the advice given to those kids but uh, as long as the kid is poor and comes from an oppressed background you know all they have to choose is football boxing and these trade schools but as long as the kids come from rich, well-to-do families who, who, who live a life of privilege, for them it's like civil services, you know, aim to be the president and so on. Uh, so, so from that angle, I do not agree. You know, every child should be given the same access to education. What the yes, child yes. does after becoming an adult, that's their problem. You know, we, we, yes, we can't yes. help. But, but when it comes to providing the education, I don't want to... Uh, agree with the option where you know the poor people get to go to trade school, but the rich ones can think about Stanford. I don't agree with that idea. What city are you in? Uh, Chennai. What India. city are you in? Chennai, India. Chennai, India. Yeah, Chennai. Okay. Yeah, the city's name is yeah. Chennai, uh, and it's in India. A lot uh, of so Muslims over there. Uh, well, we have Muslims all across the country, but yes, in Chennai there are Muslims. Yes. Yes. Okay. Uh, and, and and so I, I, I you know the, that's exactly where you be it rural area or in the city uh, you know as long as it's oppressed and poor people the problem is they don't have access to as many primary schools as the rich folks do and what happens is they you know these oppressed communities have a lot of 13 and 14 year olds who can't read 
they probably should be in 7th or 8th grade and they can't read a word on their own and that uh, you know yeah. element of shame that grows inside them instead of saying i can't read teach me they say i don't want to study i don't want school i might go pick up a job and you know because they they seclude themselves outside of the bubble of education uh, you know they remain ineligible for a lot of support that the government can do the government not doing it is a whole different problem you know that's a different solution we need to be thinking about but uh, you know these individuals should be in a position to actually utilize the facilities and grow if they are not eligible right, right. to use any help uh, then you know no one can help and they become soft targets for the criminal groups because uneducated yeah. poor uh, no one to give proper life advice uh, you know they don't have uh, likes of uh, you know johnny culpepper to come up on a podcast and say don't do this Okay. Uh, I, 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 people yeah. of colors are facing the same plight everywhere. It's not just in the United States. You just said it's in your country, India. You know, it's in Africa. Africa, they got it real bad over there. You know, it's we're being oppressed. As, uh, colored people are being oppressed everywhere. Mm -hmm. Yes. But, yeah. But anyways, uh, you know, uh, it, it, you know, what makes this discussion so interesting is that someone. who had a, a pretty much uh, you know most of your life you spent uh, as part of criminal gangs uh, being involved in crime you did time in prison yes. uh, in spite of having that rough you know you could have become a mafia boss and you could have ended up very differently but uh, despite all that you chose <laughs> to go down the right path and not only did you come out of that uh, uh, environment you are now doing your best to keep kids out of uh, uh, that Uh, you know that that shell of yes. violence, and uh, you know I sincerely hope uh, the society has uh, many more Johnny Culpepper's come. Uh, you know the society needs heroes like you. Uh, please continue sharing your advice with the kids. Uh, you know, you know it's it's people like you who can talk. Thank you very and, much. Uh, uh, and you know you should not be be silenced. And uh, uh, can can I have that journalist's name? I would like to reach out to them. Uh, and you know I would like to use this show as an opportunity to place this open request. please get please get in touch with this guy uh, you know write about his life make a movie about his life the kids need to know this her name is kitty well, incidentally you're the first podcast i did but i have in my email box i am i am uh hold on 1 2 3 4 we doing six more uh this week uh I'm doing one on Thursday called Label Free. I'm really excited about that one. And uh but you are the first and so I will give you the the name of the journalist. Her name is Kitty Caparella. That's K I T T Y. Caparella is spelled I'm a googler right quick. <laughs> mm -hmm. and, and she works for the Philadelphia Inquirer. Kitty Caparella. Can you see that? That's her. Yeah, yeah. Kitty you Caparella. spell it C A P A R E L L A. <laughs> Senior writer, Philadelphia Daily News. Mm -hmm. Okay. All right. All right. Uh, okay. So, Kitty, uh, I think you need to rethink your decision. Uh, <laughs> this, this, yes. Well, if not her, I'm hoping the story ignites some some anyone any writer that could tell mm -hmm. my story and help me. in my journey to help our 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 people
-hmm. our youth. Absolutely. Uh, I, I think the society needs more heroes like you. Please continue. Keep up your good work. Uh, thank you for thank you. taking thank time you, to discuss sir. it. Thank you. Okay. I'll come back anytime. Thank you. தந்தைந்து ஒரு தேவாலயத்துல பாதிரியார் பாதிரியாரோட பசங்க எந்த மாதிரியான குற்றப்பின்னணியில இருந்திருக்காங்கன்னு பாருங்க அவரால் ஆணும் முயற்சி அவர் செஞ்சிருக்கார் டெய் உனக்கு இந்த வேலைலாம் வேணாண்டா இப்படி பேஸ்கெட் பால் நல்லா விளாடுற நீ விளாடுறா அதை வச்சு நீ முன்னேறலாண்டா அப்படின்னு சொல்லி அவர் வழி காமிச்சிருக்கார் ஆனா இவர் வந்து அந்த சிறு வயதுல இவருக்கு மோகம் வந்து அந்த ரொம்ப வசதியா வாழணுங்கிற ஒரு சிந்தனை இருந்ததுனால இவரு கண்ணுபட யாரெல்லாம் அப்படி வசதியா வாழ்ந்தாங்கன்னு பார்த்தா இந்த துப்பாக்கி வச்சுக்கிட்டு ரவுடித்தனம் பண்ணிக்கிட்டு கொலா கொல்ல பண்ணிக்கிட்டு இருக்கிறவன் அப்படி வாழ்ந்துருக்கான் அதுலேயும் அவர் எடுத்துக்காட்டு சொல்றாரு இந்த மாதிரி நான் வந்து பேஸ்கெட் பால் விளாண்டுட்டு இருந்தேன் எல்லாரும் நாங்கள் விளாடுறத பார்க்கறதுக்காக குவிஞ்சிருந்தாங்க அப்போதான் எனக்கு வேண்டியவன் வந்து காரில் வந்து நிறுத்துனான் அப்போ அன்னைக்கு தேதியில் அது எண்பது கல்ல அது ரொம்ப விலை உயர்ந்த காரு அந்த காரில் வந்து அவன் இறங்கும்போதும் எல்லாரும் பேஸ்கெட் பால் மேட்சை பார்க்கறத விட்டுட்டு அவங்க அவங்ககிட்ட போயிட்டாங்க அப்போ தான் எனக்கு தெரிஞ்சுது நம்மளும் அந்த மாதிரி இருக்கணும் நமக்கு எப்போ அந்த மாதிரி கார் கிடைக்கும் அப்படின்னு சொல்லி இவர் படித்து முன்னேறி வேலைக்கு போய் உழைச்சி சம்பாரித்து கார் வாங்கணும் அப்படின்லாம் இவருக்கு ஆலோசனை சொல்ல ஆள் இல்லாததுனால நேராக இவர் கார் திருடுவே போயிட்டார் அதுக்கப்புறமாலேருந்து அந்த வாழ்க்கை வந்து இவரை இவர் இறுக்கி பிடிச்சிருச்சு இவர் பேராசை காரணமாக அதை தொட போய் அப்புறமா அதுலேருந்து மீண்டு வர முடியாத நிலைக்கு இவர் போயிடுறார் பல்வேறு குற்ற சம்பவங்களில் இவர் ஈடுபடுறார் அப்போ அதனால காவல்துறை இவரை பார்த்தா சுட்டு கொண்டுடுவாங்க அப்படிங்கிற நிலைக்கெலாம் வேறு இவர் போயிருக்கார் இவருடைய குடும்பம் தாய் தந்தையர் வந்து அவங்களால் ஆன முயற்சி செஞ்சுருக்காங்க ஆனால் இன்றைக்கி இவருடைய அந்த புரிதல் என்னென்னாக்கா இவர் என்ன மாதிரியான சூழ்நிலையில் இவங்க இவங்க குடும்பமும் சரி மற்ற கருப்பின சமூகத்தை சேர்ந்த குடும்ப குடும்பங்களும் சரி எந்த மாதிரி இடத்துல வசிச்சுக்கிட்டு இருந்தாங்க அப்படின்னு பார்த்தா இவர் சொல்கிறதுபடி அந்த இடத்துல வெறும் துப்பாக்கியும் போதைப் பொருளும் தான் ரொம்ப சுலபமாக கிடைக்கும் அப்போ எல்லாமே இந்த குற்றப்பண்ணி இருக்கிறவங்க தான் அந்த இடத்துல இருக்காங்க அப்போ அந்த சூழ்நிலையில் வளர்ந்து வர பிள்ளைகள் வந்து ரொம்ப சுலபமாக அதுக்குள்ளே ஈர்க்கப்பட்டுருந்தாங்க அவங்க அதுலேருந்து மீ தடுக்கிறதுக்கோ இல்லை அதுலேருந்து மீட்டு கொண்டு வர்றதுக்கோ யாரும் எந்த முயற்சியும் எடுக்கிறது இல்லை அப்படிங்கிறத அவர் வருத்தத்தோடு தான் பதிவு செய்கிறார் ஆனால் அவருடைய வாழ்க்கை என்ன ஒரு ரொம்ப விழாவரையாக சொல்லிட்டார் எப்படி தீவிரவாத கும்பல்கிட்டெல்லாம் போய் ஒரு பணி செஞ்சு அவங்களுடைய தகவலெல்லாம் சட்டத்துறைக்கு சொல்லி பல்வேறு தாக்குதல்களை நடக்கிறதுலேருந்து இவர் தடுத்துருக்கார் அதாவது ஒரு பக்கம் காவல்துறையும் நீதித்துறையும் இவரை பிடிச்சி சிறையில் எப்படியாவது வைக்கணும் இல்லை இவ இவரை சுட்டு தள்ளுறதுக்கு பல காரணங்கள் அவங்களுக்கு கிடச்சிது இன்னொரு பக்கம் அவங்களுக்கு உதவுறேன்னு சொல்லி இந்த மாதிரி குற்றவாளிகளோட இவர் சம்மந்தப்படுத்திக்கிட்டு இருக்கார் ஏதாவது ஒரு காலகட்டத்தில் இவர் வந்து காவல்துறைக்கு தூக்கு சொல்கிறவர் அப்படின்னு தெரிஞ்சு அவங்களே இவரை கொண்டுருப்பாங்க அப்போ வந்து பல ஆண்டுகள் இவரால் மற்றவங்க உயிருக்கு ஆபத்து இருந்துச்சு அதுக்கப்புறம் பல ஆண்டுகள் இவரோட உயிரியே ஒரு ஆபத்தில் வச்சுக்கிட்டு தான் இவர் வாழ்ந்துருக்கார் ஆனால் ஒரு காலகட்டத்துக்கு மேலே அதெல்லாம் வேண்டாம் எனக்கு இந்த குற்ற வாழ்க்கையே வேண்டாம் நான் திரும்பி வாழணும் அப்படின்னு சொல்லி இன்றைக்கி அந்த இதெல்லாத்தையும் விட்டு வெளியே வந்து நல்லபடியாக வாழ்ந்துக்கிட்டு வாழ்ந்துக்கிட்டு 
இனிமே நம்ம பட்ட கஷ்டம் மாதிரி வேற எவனும் பெற்றக்கூடாது எந்த குழந்தையும் குற்ற வாழ்க்கைகளோ போயிடக்கூடாது அப்படிங்கிற எண்ணத்துல தனக்கு நடந்தது தன்னுடைய வாழ்க்கையை வெளியில கொண்டு போய் சொல்லணும் இப்படிலாம் எனக்கு நடந்துச்சுரா ஏதோ எனக்கு இப்படி அமைஞ்சதும் நான் பொழைச்சிட்டேன் எல்லாரும் இப்படி பொழைக்க மாட்டாங்க உங்களுக்கு அந்த வாழ்க்கை வேண்டாம் படிச்சு நீங்க உழைச்சி முன்னேறுங்க அப்படின்னு ஒரு நோக்கத்துல கிளம்பியிருக்கார் இந்த மாதிரியான ஆஹ் ஹீரோக்கள் வந்து உலக சமுதாயத்துக்கே தேவை கிட்டத்தட்ட எல்லா நாடுகள்லையும் ஆனால் இவர் சொன்னதில் வந்து அந்த கருப்பின மக்களுக்கு எதிராக எப்படி சட்டமும் அந்த எஸ்டாப்ளிஷ்மெண்ட்டும் சொல்லுவாங்க அனைத்து சமூக கட்டமைப்பே வந்து இவருக்கு இவர்களுக்கு எதிராகவே இயங்குற மாதிரி தான் வடிவமைக்கப்பட்டிருக்கு அது ஒரு சொல்றாரு இந்த மாதிரி ஒரு காலகட்டம் வரைக்கும் யூதர்கள் இட்டாலி நாட்டை சேர்ந்தவங்க ஐரிஷ் ஏன்னா எல்லாரும் யூரோப்ல இருந்து அங்கே போய் செட்டில் ஆனவங்க தானே இவங்க எல்லாருமே வந்து கலாச்சாரம் ராஜனாங்க இவங்களும் கூட்டம் கூட்டமா ரவுடி கும்பல்களெல்லாம் தெரிஞ்சாங்க இவங்களும் எல்லா கொலை கொள்ளையும் செஞ்சாங்க ஆனால் எப்போ ஒரு ஜனநாயக ரீதியான ஆட்சி வருது அந்த ஆட்சி அதிகாரத்தில் ஒரு பங்கீடு கிடைக்குதுன்னு வருதோ அப்போ இந்த சமுதாயத்தை சேர்ந்தவங்க எல்லாருக்கும் ஏதாவது ஒரு வழி அமைஞ்சிருச்சு ஐரிஷ் நாட்டை சேர்ந்தவங்க பெரும்பான்மையினர் வந்து காவல்துறை பணியில் சேர ஆரம்பிச்சிட்டாங்க அவங்களுக்கு அந்த வேலை கிடச்சிது இட்டாலி நாட்டை சேர்ந்தவங்களுக்கு ஒரு துறை இந்த ஃபயர் சர்வீஸ்ங்கிற துறை கிடச்சிது அதே மாதிரி யூதர்கள்கிட்ட ஊடகத்துறை வந்து கிடச்சிது இப்படிலாம் அவங்க எல்லாருக்கும் ஏதாவது ஒன்று கிடச்சிது ஆனால் இந்த கருப்பின மக்களுக்கு மட்டும் அவங்க அடிமைகளாக இருந்தாங்களே தவிர அதுக்கு அப்புறமா இல்லைன்னு அவங்களுக்குன்னு அப்படி எந்த வாய்ப்பும் அமையலை இவங்க எல்லாருக்கும் இப்படி ஒரு தனியான வேலை வாய்ப்பு அமைஞ்சதும் இவங்க எல்லாரும் ஒன்று சேர்ந்துக்கிட்டு இப்போ கருப்பின மக்களை மட்டுமே ஓரம் கட்டுற ஒரு முயற்சியில் இருக்கிறாங்க மற்ற சமுதாயத்தை சேர்ந்த மக்களுக்கு மற்ற எத்தினிசிட்டிஸ்க்கு கிடைக்கிற வாய்ப்பு கருப்பின சமூகத்தை சேர்ந்த பிள்ளைகளுக்கு வந்து கிடைக்கிறது இல்லை அப்போ எங்கே போனாலும் எங்கள் தோளோட நிறமே எங்களை வந்து கெட்டவங்களாக சித்தரிக்குது அதுக்கு மேலே இப்படி ஒரு குற்ற பின்னணின்னு இருந்துச்சுன்னா இது கிடைக்கிற கொஞ்சம் கொஞ்சம் வாய்ப்பும் கிடைக்காம போயிடுது இப்படியே எத்தனை நாள் இருக்கிறது அப்படின்னு அவர் வந்து வருத்தத்தை வந்து அவர் பதிவு செய்கிறார் அவருடைய வருத்தத்தில் வந்து நான் முழுசாக உடன்படுறேன் இது வந்து எல்லா நாடுகள்லேயும் அந்த ஒடுக்கப்பட்ட சமுதாயம் அப்படின்னு இருக்கும் அதில் வந்து பல்வேறு தரப்பட்ட மக்கள் வந்து இருக்காங்க அந்த ஏழைகள் அவங்க பிறந்து வளர்ந்த சூழ்நிலை ரொம்ப பேசிக்கிற சொல்லிக்கும்படியாக இருக்காது அப்போ வறுமையில் இந்த மாதிரி குற்ற பின்னணி இருக்கிறவர்கள் மத்தியில் பிறந்து வளர்றதுனாலேயே நல்ல விதமான ஆலோசனை கிடைக்க வாய்ப்பு இல்லாமையே போயிடுது அப்போ சிறு வயதுலேயே அவங்களுக்கு கல்வியும் மறுக்கப்படுறதுனால ஒரு காலகட்டத்துக்கு மேலே ஆரம்ப கல்வி போயிடுச்சு அப்போ பன்னெண்டு பதிமூணு வயசு வரும்போது எழுத்து கூட்டியே அவனுக்கு படிக்க தெரியல அப்படின்னா எனக்கு படிப்பு வரலை அப்படின்னு சொல்ல தயங்கிக்கிட்டு நம்ம சமுதாயம் வேற அந்த கௌரவங்கிற ஒரு பாரதத்தை தூக்கி தலையில் வச்சிருவேன் சின்ன இதுலேயே இப்போ ரொம்ப கௌரவம் பார்க்க ஆரம்பிச்சிருக்கான் பன்னெண்டு பதிமூணு வயசுல தனக்கு வாசிக்க வரலை எழுத்து கூட்டி படிக்க வரலை அப்படிங்கிறத படிக்க வரலைன்னு சொல்லாமல் எனக்கு படிப்பு பிடிக்கலை நான் வேலைக்கு போறேன் அப்படின்றான் பதிமூணு வயசுல நீ பள்ளிக்கூடம் கூட முடிக்காம உனக்கு என்ன ஐஏஎஸ் வேலையை கொடுக்க போறாங்க ஏதோ ஒரு இடத்துல போய் நீ கூலியாக தான் வேலை பார்க்கணும் அந்த இடத்துல உனக்கு பெரிய பணம் பெருசா பணம் கிடைக்க போறது இல்லை ஆனா உன் கண் கூட இந்த மாதிரி ரவுடித்தனம் பண்ணிக்கிட்டு போதைப்பொருள் விட்டுக்கிட்டு இந்த மாதிரி குற்ற சம்பவங்களில் ஈடுபடுறவங்ககிட்ட நிறைய காசு போறதுக்கு அப்புறம் அவங்கள பார்த்து இவன் ஈர்க்கப்படுறான் இவனுக்கு ஆலோசனை சொல்லவும் ஆள் இல்லை அப்போ இந்த மாதிரி சிறு வயதுலேயே போய் சேர்றவங்க ஒரு சிலர் வந்து பதினாறு பதினெட்டு வயதுலேயே கத்தி எடுத்துடுறான் அதுக்கப்புறமா அவன் அஞ்சாவது கொலை பண்ணும்போது அந்த கொலைக்கு பத்து லட்சம் இருபது லட்சம் கேட்குற மாதிரி ஆகுது அவன் ஆறாவது கொலை பண்ணுறதுக்குள்ள அவனை யாராவது கொலை பண்ணிடுறாங்க அதுக்கப்புறமா இருந்து இந்த மாதிரி ஒரு நாலஞ்சு பேர் அந்த ஒரு குறிப்பிட்ட 
இடத்துலேருந்து அந்த நகரத்தில் இந்த இடத்துல இருக்கிறவங்கலாம் இப்படி தான்ப்பா அப்படின்னு ஒரு ஒரு கதையை வந்து சித்தரிச்சிடுறாங்க இந்த ஏரியா பசங்க எல்லாமே இப்படி தான் அப்படின்னு சொல்லிடுறாங்க அவங்களுக்கு ஒரு தீர்வுன்னு வந்தால் கூட இப்போ சென்னையிலே கூட எடுத்துக்கோங்கன்னா இந்த நார்த் மெட்ராஸ் வட சென்னை அப்படிங்கிற இடத்துல அங்கே இருக்கிற பிள்ளைங்களுக்கு மட்டும் ஆலோசனைன்னு சொல்கிறதா இருந்தால் நீ பாடி பில்டிங் பண்ணு ஃபுட்பால் விளையாடு பாக்ஸிங் பண்ணு அது மூலமாக ஏதாவது ஸ்போர்ட்ஸ் கோட்டாவில் எங்கேயாவது ஒரு ஸ்போர்ட்ஸ் கீப்பர் வேலை கிடைக்கும் இந்த மாதிரி வேணால் அவங்களுக்கு ஆலோசனை சொல்கிறாங்களே தவிர இதுவே மயிலாப்பூர் கோபாலபுரம் வெஸ்ட் மாம்பூரில் இருக்கிற பிள்ளைங்கன்னா நீ எயித்துலேயே ஐஏஎஸ்க்கு படிக்க ஆரம்பிச்சிருங்க நீ இப்போவே நீட்டுக்கு ப்ரிப்பேர் பண்ணுங்கள் நீ இன்ஜினியர் தான் நீ போகணும் நீ இப்படி தான் போகணும் அப்படின்னு அவங்க பள்ளிக்கூடத்தில் இருக்கும்போதே எந்த அமெரிக்க பல்கலைக்கழகத்தில் இவங்களை மேற்படிப்புக்கு அனுப்பலாங்கிறது அளவுக்கு அவங்க குடும்ப திட்டம் போட்டுருது அவங்களுக்கு கிடைக்கிற ஆலோசனைலாம் வேறு மாதிரி இருக்குது ஆனால் இதே வந்து கருப்பாக அழுக்காக ஒரு ஏழையான சூழ்நிலையில் பிறந்து வளர்ந்த பிள்ளைகளுக்கு மட்டும் நீ வந்து ஐடிஐ படி நீ ஃபிட்டராக போ நீ ஃபாஸ்ட்னராக போ நீ எலக்ட்ரீஷனாக போ அவங்களுக்கு மட்டும் இந்த ட்ரேட் ஸ்கூல் தான் அவங்களுக்கு பிழைப்பு அப்படிங்கிற மாதிரி ஒதுக்கி விடப்படுது அப்படி வந்து அந்த தொழிலுக்கும் மற்ற பொறியியல் வேலைக்கான பணிக்கான சம்பளம் கொடுக்குறதா இருந்தால் பரவாயில்ல ஆனால் அப்படி கிடையாது இப்போ கடைசி வரைக்கும் இவங்களுக்கு ச சமமான சரியான கல்வி வாய்ப்பு கிடைக்கவே இருக்கும் அப்போ அது ஏதாவது ஒரு வசதி வந்தாலும் அது இவங்களுக்கு கிடைக்க விடாதபடி எல்லாருமே செஞ்சுருவோம் அதுக்கப்புறமா இவங்களுக்கு சரியான ஆலோசனையும் கிடைக்காது வறுமையில் இவங்க அந்த ஆரம்ப கல்விங்கிறத தவற விட்டுட்டாங்கன்னா அதோடு அவங்க வாழ்க்கையும் முடிஞ்சு போச்சு கடைசி வரைக்கும் ஏதாவது ஒரு ஆள் கிட்ட அண்ணன் தேவாரியும் புத்தகம் கிட்ட அவங்களுக்கு வேண்டியது தான் அப்போ அடிமையாகி இருக்கணும் அப்படிங்கிறதுக்காகவே அவங்கள நம்ம விட்டு வச்சுருக்கோமா அப்படிங்கிற கேள்வி வருது இந்த பிரச்சனை திரு ஜானி கல்பப்பர் சொன்ன கருத்தோடு சேர்த்துனா எல்லா நாடுகள்லேயுமே இப்படி இருக்கிறது விளங்குது அப்போ இதுக்கான தீர்வு என்னவா இருக்கும் அப்படின்னா சரியான நேரத்தில் தரமான ஆரம்ப கல்வி எல்லா பிள்ளைகளுக்கும் போய் கிடைக்கணும் ஏன்னா அந்த அந்த ஒன்னாம் வகுப்பு ரெண்டாவது வகுப்பு காலகட்டத்தில் எழுத்து கூட்டி வாசிக்க தெரிஞ்சு அந்த அடிப்படை கணிதம் பழகிட்டாங்கன்னாக்கா அவன் எப்படியாவது ஏழாவது எட்டாவது கிட்டே வந்துடுவான் அவன் பள்ளிக்கூடத்தை தாண்டிட்டான்னா ஏதாவது ஒரு கல்லூரியை அவன் பார்த்துக்கிட்டான் குறைஞ்சபட்சம் அந்த கல்லூரி படிப்பு அப்படிங்கிறது முடிச்சுட்டு அதுக்கப்புறமா அவன் எந்த தொழிலுக்கு வேணாலும் போகட்டும் அந்த வாய்ப்பை நம்ம அவங்களுக்கு உருவாக்கி தந்தால் ஒழிய இந்த மாதிரியான வறுமையில் வாடுற ஒடுக்கப்பட்ட சமூகங்கள் அது எல்லா நகரமாக இருக்கலாம் கிராமமாக இருக்கலாம் எங்கே வேணாலும் இருக்கலாம் அப்போ அந்த சமூகங்கள் வந்து மீண்டு வரணும் அப்போ ஏன்னா அதிகமான குற்றவாளிகள் வந்து அந்த மாதிரியான வறுமையான சூழ்நிலையிலிருந்து தான் வராங்க வறுமையை காரணம் வச்சு அவங்க செய்கிற குற்ற செயல் வந்து நம்ம சரின்னு ஏற்றுக்க முடியாது ஆனால் இன்றைக்கி நம்ம அவனை வந்து கொலகாரன் அவன் கொல்லக்காரன் அவன் கெட்டவன் அவன் சமூக விரோதின்னு சொல்கிறோம்னா அவனை அந்த நிலைக்கு நிலைமைக்கு போக விட்டதுக்கான பொறுப்பு நம்ம ஒட்டுமொத்த சமுதாயமும் சேர்த்து தான் எடுத்துக்கணும் ஏன்னா நம்ம பிள்ளைங்களுக்கு எந்த ஸ்கூலில் சேர்த்தா நல்லாயிருக்கும் எந்த ஸ்கூலில் சேர்த்தா எந்த பல்கலைக்கழகத்தில் சீட்டு கிடைக்கும் இந்த அளவுக்கு பேசி விடுறதுக்கான வாய்ப்பு நமக்கு இருக்குது இந்த ஸ்கூலுக்கு அனுப்ப மாட்டேன் நான் என் பிள்ளைங்க இந்த ஸ்கூலுக்கு தான் அனுப்புவேன் அப்படின்னு குறி வச்சு கொண்டு போய் சேர்க்குறவங்களாம் இருக்காங்க இந்த மக்கள் வாழ்கிற இடத்துல எத்தனை ஆரம்ப பள்ளி இருக்குது நம்ம அதை என்னைக்காவது சிந்திச்சிருக்கோமா அப்போ ஏதோ அங்கே இடத்துல அரசு பள்ளிகள் இருக்குது அந்த மொத்த ஏரியாவுக்கும் ரெண்டு அரசு பள்ளி வச்சுருப்பான் அப்போ அது படித்தா அந்த ரெண்டு பள்ளிக்கூடத்தில் படிக்கணும் இல்லைன்னா அவனுக்கு படிப்பே கிடையாது அவங்க வீட்டில் இருக்கிறவங்களும் படிடா மகனே அப்படின்னு சொல்கிற காலகட்டம் போய் ஏன்னா இவன் பன்னெண்டு வயசில் குடிக்க ஆரம்பிச்சிருக்கான் அப்போ கடைசி வரைக்கும் இந்த சமூகமும் அந்த வாய்ப்பை அவங்களுக்கு கொடுக்காது இந்த அரசும் அந்த வாய்ப்பை அங்கே கொண்டு போய் சேர்க்காது ஆனால் இவங்கள நம்ம குறை சொன்னபடியே இருப்போம் இவங்களுக்கு மீண்டு வரணும்னு சொன்னால் நீ வந்து பாக்ஸிங் பண்ணு நீ ஃபுட்பால் விளையாடு ஸ்போர்ட்ஸ் கோட்டாவில் ஐசிஎஃப்பில் ஸ்டோர் கீப்பர் விளையாடு இருக்குது கடைசி வரைக்கும் இவங்க மட்டும் இப்படியே இருக
அப்படிங்கிற ஒரு கேள்வி வந்து வருது ஏன்னா இவங்களால் தான் குற்ற வேலையில் ஈடுபடுறாங்கன்னு நம்ம ரொம்ப சுலபமாக சொல்லிடுறோம் ஆனால் அப்படி ஒரு குறிப்பிட்ட சமூகங்கள் மட்டுமே குற்றங்களில் ஈடுபடுறதுக்கு பொருளாதார ரீதியாக அவங்க ஒடுக்கப்பட்டதுனால தான் அவங்க அந்த நிலைக்கு தள்ளப்படுறாங்க அப்படிங்கிற உண்மையை நம்ம என்றைக்கு புரிஞ்சுக்கிறோமோ அதுக்கப்புறமா தான் இதுக்கான தீர்வு பிறக்கவே ஆரம்பிக்கும் இதை ஏன் இப்போ நான் உங்கள்கிட்ட சொல்கிறேன்னா இந்த நிகழ்ச்சியை பார்க்குற நீங்கள் வந்து ஒரு ரொம்ப சின்ன குழு வருங்கால தலைவர்கள் நீங்கள் இன்னையிலேருந்து இருபது முப்பது ஆண்டுகள் கழித்து தலைமை பொறுப்பில் நீங்கள் இருக்கும்பொழுது உங்களுக்கு இந்த சிந்தனை இருக்கணும் அப்போ உங்களால் முடிஞ்ச அளவுக்கு ஏதாவது ஒரு வேலை வாய்ப்பு உருவாக்கி இந்த மாதிரியான இடத்துல பொருளாதார ரீதியாக ஒரு சில சமூக ரீதியாகவும் சரி ஒடுக்கப்பட்ட மக்களுக்கு ஒரு வாய்ப்பு கொடுத்து அதுலேருந்து ஒன்று ரெண்டு பிள்ளைங்களை நீங்கள் தேர்த்தி விட்டா கூட போதும் ஒரு ஒரு பிள்ளைங்களை தேர்த்தி விட்டீங்கன்னா அது ஒரு வம்சத்தையே தேர்த்தி விட்டதுக்கு சமூகமாக தான் இருக்கும் ஆனால் அந்த மாதிரி அவங்கன்னா அவங்களுக்கு நல்ல எடுத்துக்காட்டுங்கிறது இல்லாமல் போயிடுச்சு அவங்க பார்த்து வியக்கிறவன் பூரா கொலை செய்கிறவன் ரவுடித்தனம் பண்ணுறவன் கட்ட பஞ்சாயத்து பண்ணுறவன் இவனுங்களை மட்டுமே ஹீரோவாக பார்த்து வர பிள்ளை வந்து வளர்ந்து வரும்போது டாக்டராகவும் இன்ஜினியராகவும் விஞ்ஞானியாகவும் வர்றதுக்கு வாய்ப்பு ரொம்ப கம்மி அப்போ அந்த ச சூழ்நிலையிலையும் இருந்து மீண்டு வர்றதுக்கு ஆனால் வாய்ப்பு நம்ம உருவாக்கி தரணும் நல்ல எடுத்துக்காட்டுகளை உருவாக்குறதுக்கான முயற்சி நம்ம எடுக்கணும் அவன் செயலை அவன் செயலன்னு கடைசி வரைக்கும் விட்டுக்கிட்டே இருக்கிறது சரியாகாது ஏன்னா எல்லா நாடுகள்லேயுமே இந்த மாதிரி எத்தனை லட்சம் ஜானிக்கல் பேப்பர்ஸு இது வரைக்கும் நம்ம உருவாக்கிக்கிட்டு இருப்போம் இன்னும் எத்தனை ஆண்டுகளுக்கு எத்தனை ஜானிக்கல் பேப்பர்ஸு உருவாக்கிக்கிட்டே இருப்பாங்க அப்போ காலத்துக்கும் இந்த மாதிரி குற்ற பரம்பரைன்னு ஒரு பொருளாதார ரீதியாகவும் சமூக ரீதியாகவும் ஒடுக்கப்பட்ட மக்கள் அப்படியே தான் இருக்கணுமா இது நம்ம சமூகத்தை எங்கே கொண்டு போய் விடும் இதை நம்ம இப்பயே சிந்திக்க ஆரம்பிக்கணும் வருங்கால தலைவர்களாகிய நீங்கள் இதுக்கான தீர்வு என்னவாக்கினா இது பல பதிநிலைகளில் இருக்குது ஒரே வரியில் இதுக்கான தீர்வு வந்து நம்ம சொல்லிட முடியாது அதை அமல்படுத்திடவும் முடியாது இப்போ நம்ம சிந்திக்க ஆரம்பித்தா தான் குறைஞ்சது ஐம்பது அறுபது ஆண்டுகள் கழித்து இதுக்கான தீர்வை பிறக்கும் அதுக்கப்புறமா அதை அமல்படுத்தணும் அதை கட்டி காக்கணும் ஏன்னா இந்த மாதிரி வந்துட்டாவே இவெல்லாம் எனக்கு சமூகமாக உட்காரக்கூடாது இவன்லாம் என்கிட்ட சத்தமாக பேசக்கூடாது இவன்லாம் இன்றைக்கி இங்கிலீஷ் மீடியமில் படிக்க ஆரம்பிச்சிட்டானா இப்படி சொல்கிற கூட்டமும் ஒரு பக்கம் இருக்க தான் செய்யும் அது எதுவும் பண்ண முடியாது ஆனால் எப்போல்லாம் அதிகாரம் அவங்கக்கிட்ட போகுதோ அப்போல்லாம் எல்லாருக்கும் எல்லாமும் கிடைக்கணுங்கிற சூழ்நிலையை வந்து தகர்க்கப்படுது அப்போ அந்த சூழ்நிலையை எப்படியாவது கட்டி காப்பாற்றணும் அப்போ அடிப்படை உரிமையில் வந்து இந்த கல்வியும் இருக்குது இதுதான் நம்ம அரசியலமைப்பு சட்டமும் சொல்லுது ஆனால் அந்த கல்வி எல்லாருக்கும் சரியாக சமமாக போய் கிடைக்குதா அப்படிங்கிறது ஒரு பெரிய கேள்விக்குறி இன்றைக்கி தேதியில் வருஷம் பூரா ஒரு புத்தகத்தை படித்தாலும் தேர்வுக்கு வேறு ஒரு புத்தகம் அப்படின்னு சொல்லிடுறான் எல்லோரும் தூக்கில் மாட்டிக்கிறாங்க தற்கொலை பண்ணிக்கிறாங்க இது மாநிலத்தோட உரிமை இப்படிலாம் வக வகையாக கதை சொல்கிறாங்களே தவிர ஒரு ஆண்டு முழுக்க ஒரு புத்தகத்தை படிச்சுட்டு தேர்வுக்கு மட்டும் வேறு புத்தகத்தை படிக்கணும் அப்படின்னு இருந்துச்சுனாக்கா அது எப்படி அது ஒரு உரிமை மீறல் தானே அடிப்படை உரிமையாக மீறுது அரசியலமைப்பு சட்டத்துக்கு எதிரானது ஒரு செயல் தான் சரி எல்லா பாடத்திட்டத்தில் படித்து வர மாணவர்களுக்கும் இதுதான் நிலைமை அப்படின்னா கூட பரவாயில்ல அந்த அநியாயத்திலேயாவது ஒரு நியாயம் இருக்குது அப்படின்னு சொல்லலாம் ஆனால் ஒரு குறிப்பிட்ட பாடத்திட்டத்தில் அடிப்படையாக வச்சு தான் இவங்க தேர்வு தாள் உருவாக்குறாங்க அப்படின்னாக்கா அந்த பாடத்திட்டத்துலேருந்து வர மாணவ மாணவிகளுக்கு அது ரொம்ப சுலபமாக அமைஞ்சிடும் ஆனால் மற்ற பாடத்திட்டத்துலேருந்து வரவங்களுக்கு கிடையாது அப்போ வருஷம் பூரா ஒரு புத்தகத்தை படிச்சுட்டு தேர்வுக்கு மட்டும் இன்னொரு புத்தகம் இருக்கே இது அநியாயமாச்சே அப்படின்னு கேட்க தவறுறாங்க இது இப்போ இருக்கிறவங்க கேட்கவும் மாட்டாங்க கேட்பாங்கிற நம்பிக்கை எனக்கு இல்லை ஆனால் வருங்கால தலைவர்களாகிய நீங்கள் இன்னையிலேருந்து குறைஞ்சது இருபது முப்பது ஆண்டுகள் கழித்து அன்னைக்கு இந்த பிரச்சனை எப்படி இருக்குன்னு நமக்கு தெரியாது ஆனால் இதுக்கு எப்படியாவது ஒரு தீர்வு கொண்டு வரும் அதுக்கு நீங்கள் இப்பயே சிந்திக்க ஆரம்பிக்கணும் இப்படி அடிப்படை கல்வி அடிப்படை வசதிகள் வந்து சரியாக போய் சேராததுனாலேயே பொருளாதார ரீதியாக ஒடுக்கப்பட்டதாலேயே பல்வே பல நாடுகளில் பல கலாச்சாரங்களில் இந்த வறுமையில் வாடுற சமூகங்கள்லேருந்தே பெரும் குற்றவாளிகள் வந்தபடி இருக்கிறாங்க அப்போ இது இந்த 
இந்த உண்மையை நம்ம எத்தனை நாள் வந்து மறுத்தபடியே இருப்போம் இன்னும் எத்தனை ஆண்டுகளுக்கு வறுமையின் காரணமாக தான் இந்த மாதிரி குற்றவாளிகள் உருவாகிறாங்க அப்படிங்கிற உண்மையை நம்ம ஏற்றுக்காம இருப்போம் சிந்திச்சு பாருங்க இந்த பதிவு உங்களுக்கு பிடிச்சிருந்தா தயவு செஞ்சு சமூக வலைதளங்கள்ல இதை பகிர்ந்துக்கோங்க இந்த நிகழ்ச்சி உங்களுக்கு ஏதாவது ஒரு வகையில உதவிருக்கும் நம்புறோம் சும்மா ப்ரொடக்ஷனோட பகுத்தறிவு பாட்காஸ்ட் பொறுமையோட கேட்டதுக்கு நன்றி